You are good to go. Okay. Uh, this is the August 25th, 2022 regular Board of Trustees meeting. Um, Linda, can you take roll for us? Yes, President Davila. Here. Vice President Rizzo. Here. Trustee Chisti, not yet present. Trustee Green. Here. Trustee Selby. Yeah. Trustee Williams, not yet present. Trustee Wong. at four. All right, thank you. Trustee Wong. Present. Student Trustee Villalobos. Present. You do have quorum. Okay, great. And um, to start off, we have uh, something that we've become familiar with, and I'm very happy to hear about the regatta again. So can we go ahead and um, I'll t give it to the chancellor first, and then he can introduce everybody. Uh, thank you, President Davila. And to echo your comments, we are uh, very excited and proud uh, to have a wonderful group uh, joining us this afternoon of dedicated and uh, very innovative students uh, who have once again uh, brought home the Solar Regatta Cup uh, to City College of San Francisco. Uh, this isn't the first time, and I know it won't be the last time. So uh, we're here today to celebrate uh, their accomplishments. And I'd like to invite uh, Keith Mueller, uh, the department chair of our uh, engineering and architectural department, as well as the uh, leader of the regatta team uh, to introduce his uh, team members and say a few words. Um, Keith. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, my name is Keith Mueller. I'm the advisor for uh, CCSF Engineering Club. Um, yes, we've been doing this for a while. We're probably one of the oldest clubs here at City College. I think we started maybe around 2005 or so. Uh, but this is now our fourth time that we've uh, actually won the Solar Regatta. And uh, normally by <laughs> tradition, when we do this in May, it's uh, like the end of the semester and nobody's really around to acknowledge that we do it. And finally, just sort of leave for the summer. But we were very pleased to be here uh, for the start of the semester and actually uh, uh, talk to you and say you know, thanks. Thanks for acknowledging uh, acknowledging that we did our effort. Um, you could actually read about it in the Guardsman. It's one of the last articles uh, in the, um, in the, from the past semester. Uh, I think it was put out maybe May 14th. Yeah, we did it around May 14th. And that Guardsman article, I believe, is in the chat uh, right now. Uh, our club president is Abby, who you can see on the screen uh, here. She waves her hand. I see Kenny, I see Leo down there. Uh, some of us have already transferred on, but we're looking forward to uh, another year of doing uh, engineering club items and hopefully next year defending our championship or our, our trophies once again. Um, and if you look at the article, it's yeah, a lot of trophies. Yes, We've, we did five this time around. I'm very impressed with your ability and I know that you have some top contenders that you're competing against. Uh, can you let us know a little bit about that and how many participated? And I see some of your students in here too. I'm missing out on seeing the actual boat because before you brought the actual boat in, is there a picture you could show us? Or? I can probably, I'll just, if you want me to share the screen, I will share the article that we, uh, that's uh, picture of the boat itself. Let me just share this right here. So what you're seeing right here is the actual Garzman article, and that's us okay. posing in front of our boat. 
which we've, uh, it was a, actually a brand new boat that we had built. We built it in 2019, but we had not raced it before because it basically everything shut down just as we were thinking about going 2020. So we used that same boat or the boat that we had built and uh, revamped it and actually uh, got it working <laughs> again, barely on time um, and then um, competed up at uh, Rancho Seco uh, as we normally have done. Some of the competitors this year were, let's see if I remember right, it's going to be, the, the dangerous one is Cal Poly, Chico State, uh, Sonoma State, San Joaquin Delta. Uh, Davis is not there. Um, who else did I forget? Um, there was another, uh, some of the junior colleges, only 10 colleges participating this time around because we we're just coming out of COVID. Uh, but I think next uh, year it's going to be much more challenging because we're going to be way out of COVID. So we'll be uh, much like the normal 17 colleges that uh, participate in this. Oh, one other thing that we should mention, we'll do this on side, since we are missing out on our in-person meeting, normally when we are at the board meeting, we would uh, give you all t-shirts. So make sure uh, you can say somebody on the side, uh, what's your size? Maybe Linda can on the side to make sure everybody sides because the t-shirts this year, since we were uh, with a Star Trek theme and we were actually Smud oh. Trek. So this is Smud Trek, our t-shirts. I so have happy, to get one. We're happy to give away our t-shirts again to the board as tradition. Uh, so uh, make sure <laughs> make sure you on the side somebody, somebody write down sizes so when we make more of them we'll get you all your t-shirts because it's been kind of a tradition now <laughs> i was just going to ask you if there was a theme because last That's time right. um right. last time when you brought the boat in i think it was like a gilligan's island kind of theme or something uh, that, that was that was <laughs> that's that which theme was it that was we had pirates we did Yes, that's right. Like, There's a pirate boat. Oh team. no, Star Wars. We had Star Wars last year. If you're not if you're not Star Wars, you're Star Trek. So that's why we went into this. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> well, I'm definitely a Trekkie. So okay, cool. <laughs> just just we need a list because we still we can still have we make them downstairs, so we'll make more. <laughs> Thank you. So I do want to say um, congratulations to your team. I see you guys in the little black window there, <laughs> right on. Um, and you're bringing all the glory to CCSF. So thank you again. And thank you for being part of this fabulous engineering club too. I'm really proud of all of you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Does anybody have any uh, questions or comments for our winning team here? I think there's some, oh, there's some in the chat right now. If you do, um... If you do go to the, uh, just type in CCSF Engineering Club, um, it will go to our website. There is a email address that will that will reach us. Okay. Are you downstairs? Where are you? <laughs> Looks like you guys are coming in from downstairs. <laughs> yeah, we just got off the lab. We're in the cafeteria. Oh, you just right got off the lab. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, it looks like you looks like you're in the our cavern downstairs. Uh, we have the boat in storage right now, and we'll be probably taking it out pretty soon to start looking at modifications for next year. Okay. Um, I think uh, Trustee Wong has a comment. 
Yeah, I just wanted to say how proud I am of uh, of all of you guys. I, I never knew that we had uh, such a, a team, actually. Uh, but just seeing your your amazing work and accomplishments is, you know, and also just us using technology, you know, just really shows how amazing our program here is at at City College. So I just want to thank uh, all of you for your amazing contribution to the college and winning it, and you know. Uh, you know, definitely want to uh, let me know when you guys do it next year. I definitely want to uh, just watch it and uh, you know see you guys defend your your title. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much uh, pretty much it. Would love to learn more about the team. You know, if you've got an emails for me to reach out, uh, uh, please let me know. Uh, looking forward to uh, uh, seeing you guys compete in the future. Okay, and now we have student trustee Villalobos. Uh. Can you hear me? Testing one, two, three. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Uh, well, first of all, congratulations to you all. Uh, such a great accomplishment, um, especially during this these difficult pandemic times. Uh, you, you're making uh, me as a student proud and the whole CCSF community proud. Uh, thank you to all students. Uh, much appreciated. Type that again. I just typed in the email in the chat. Okay, great. The email's in the chat if you want to reach out to them. And do you have regular meeting times? We're going to start tonight. Uh, it's at 6 o'clock, our general membership meeting, and then we'll normally do it on Thursdays. Hopefully, okay. Like we so did 6 o'clock on Thursdays, that's your general meeting, and people can get a hold of you through in the engineering club, ccsf at gmail.com. Thank you. That's fantastic. Who wouldn't want to join a winning team? <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. So now we're going to, um, let me find my, oh, there you go. Yeah, thank you. Uh, otherwise I have to go back and forth on my screen, on my tiny little screen. Um, so we have a, a closed session agenda now. Uh, that is correct, President Davila. Um, so can we get approval of the closed session agenda? So moved. Second. Okay, so we have Trustee Rizzo moving and Trustee Selby seconding. All those, well, I think we need a roll call vote here, don't we? Yes. Yes. Yeah, okay. President Davila? Yes. Sorry, I'm gonna backtrack, I apologize. Student Trustee Villalobos, your advisory vote? Yes. Now, President Davila? Yes. Vice President Rizzo? Yes. Trustee Chisty? Yes. Trustee Green? Yes. Trustee Selby? Yes. Uh, Trustee Williams is not yet present. Trustee Wong? Yes. The motion passes. Okay. So we are adjourned to close session now, and we should be back. Um, Chancellor, do you have a estimate approximately one hour president Abla. okay so about an hour and i will come back and let you know if we're going to be any longer sean okay thank you
Okay, can everybody hear me? Yes. Okay. Yes. Sorry, I had a hard time uh, logging back in. Um, okay, so a couple of things. Uh, first of all, in terms of reportable actions, in closed session, the board authorized a settlement in the amount of $300,000 and have directed the chancellor his designee to implement three specified changes. These changes will provide notice to college employees and students on the district website of available lactation facilities on campus. The district will update its written lactation policies and the district will provide training of employees on lactation accommodations. The matter was approved on a six to zero vote with one absent. Okay, um, let's go back now to, um, Let me see if I can move this around. Oh, I can't move this around. Um, I think we didn't do the land acknowledgement either. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. I'm having a lot of trouble with my Zoom. I might have to log out again. Sorry. What is going on with this? Okay, can you still hear me? Yes. Okay, great. I'm I'm having a really hard time with this. I don't, I'm not sure what it is. Uh, if I may, President Double, I can read the land acknowledgement. Okay. That would be okay. Yeah, it's very hard to access here. Great. We acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for the people who reside in their, ter their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, relatives of the Ramatush community, and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Uh, with that, President Davila, I do have a request that I would uh, ask for the board's consideration. Uh, okay. We do have members of the campus community who would like to speak to uh, the action item, action item 11A, and I was wondering with board approval if we could move that action item up to uh, now at the agenda. Um, that is fine with me. Let me ask the rest of the board. Is it okay to move up 11A? Yes. Okay. I would... yes. 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 Okay. And I'm sure, um, Trustee Wong, did you want to sure. start with that? Uh, I would like to make a motion to um, move it uh, to to that as our next item. Okay, that sounds good. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Like we have. Um, okay, so let's get going. I'm still having trouble with my with my Zoom for some reason. This has never happened before, so I'm just going to not look at that and just look at what I have uh, opening up the agenda. So let's go um, next 
to 11A then. Do we have um, public comment, by the way, Linda? Yes, we do. Okay. Uh, so why don't we take the public comment um, on this now, and then we'll open it up for that, okay? Okay, first assume we can. Linda, I do not see Seaway on right now. Okay, how about Lingli uh, Lai? I do see Lingli on. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead, please. Yes, um, um, my name is Lingli. Um, um, the president of Chinese Club of the in the CCF and also uh the Evan uh ASS president for this semester. So I want to make a public um comment to support the proposal from Trustee uh Trustee Wong's about um the lunar new New Year's. So um uh in my uh why is supports this proposal because in a in a uh, city college more over 32 percent is asian peoples and in the school we uh when the new new year's coming um we didn't have time to celebrate and get together celebrate this holiday and we hope um uh one day the school can give up one day, uh free school and more the Asian students can get together to celebrate it. And it is a really good opportunity to connect all the Asian peoples together and let more pe uh, people know about the Chinese cultures. And yes, and I finish. Thank you. Thank you. Sean, do you want to look back to see if Simui has, has signed in yet? No, Linda, I do not see her on. Okay, that concludes public comment for this item. May I? Yes, Trustee Wong. Okay, um, so I want to thank the Chinese Chamber of Commerce, the APA Heritage Foundation for working with me on this proposal. I also want to thank trustees uh, Rizzo and Chisti for co-sponsoring this proposal. Just to share a little bit about my family background, I was born and raised in San Francisco, but both of my parents are from Hong Kong where they grew up <laughs> Lunar, Lunar New Year. For my family, Lunar New Year has always been a time when our family gets together so that we can really celebrate our heritage, get together with family, and start the new year afresh. I was always taught to, before New Year's, to make sure that we have everything all cleaned up at our home so that we can uh, get rid of bad luck and just begin the year anew. It's also a great opportunity for us to reconnect with our heritage, culture, and <clears throat> our family. So for, for me, this is very, very personal. And it it's also means a lot to many of our students. One third of our student body is of Asian descent. 
And I've heard from from students, including from uh, uh, Ling Yi Li, who's the our uh, president of our uh, city college uh, Chinese uh, uh, culture club, and our uh, former student chancellor Si Wei Tang, about how important this is to our student community. Oftentimes, our students that are taking in classes, they have to decide between spending time with their family, preparing a feast, or going to class and, and working on their studies. Lunar New Year is celebrated by billions of people worldwide, and it usually begins sometime between January 21st and February 20th. It's an occasion that brings families of Asian descent together. And in other places, it's called uh, other names, such as Vietnamese Tet, um, and uh, I might be pronouncing this wrong, Korean Sonal and Tibetan uh, Lozar. The tradition was first brought to California by Chinese pioneers for this first celebration in 1851. Since 1994, the San Francisco Unified School District has been celebrating Lunar New Year and observing it. There have been recent efforts at the state level to recognize the holiday. Other bills have failed due to the potential costs of adding a new holiday. In addition to giving City College students and staff the school day off to celebrate, our community leaders in the Asian community believe that it would benefit the local economy and bring in millions of dollars to San Francisco and Chinatown to support small locally owned businesses. However, we currently can't on our own decide to celebrate this important occasion. Currently, state education code prescribes and requires the exact holidays that we're allowed to celebrate. In February, we're, we're prescribed to celebrate Washington Day and Lincoln Day. So this is why I brought forward this cost neutral and school day neutral proposal to our college board. What this proposal would seek to do is to get a change in state education code so that it would allow the option for city college or any California community college, the ability to locally decide to replace Washington Day and Lincoln Day with President's Day and Lunar New Year. Replacing uh, Washington Day and Lincoln Day to President's Day has been something that's been commonly done in, in other places. I've spoken to our state legislators that represent San Francisco and they've indicated support of uh, such, a, such a change so long as we as City College uh, come, come behind this proposal. So I'm, I'm very happy to present this to the, my colleagues today and to move forward with this proposal. It's very personal to me and many in the, the Asian community and it will be a opportunity for us to really celebrate and recognize our diversity and be able to let our Asian community and our students know that they are seen and they are heard. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm glad it's starting here in San Francisco. I see we have uh, Trustee Selby and Trustee Rizzo in the queue. Yes, thank you very much, uh, President Davila and Trustee Wong. I am excited to see this. I just wanted to clarify something which was clarified to me about this. Um, there was a, a, a proposal that was made, I believe, at the Board of Education 
um, to add an <clears throat> additional uh, holiday. And um, I'm, I just want to clarify that, th that this is not necessarily saying we're adding an additional holiday. It's saying that we support the addition. Is that right? Of a, of a, of a holiday at the state level? I can, I can clarify that. Um, so currently mm -hmm. under um, state law, we are prescribed to or required to celebrate certain holidays is as uh, school days off. Uh, currently in February, community colleges are required to celebrate Washington Day and Lincoln Day in, in February. So what this resolution would do is it would allow City College, uh, it would enable City College to move forward to lobby and support a change in the state law to give local community colleges the option if they choose to do so to celebrate celebrate President's Day and Lunar New Year in lieu of Washington Day and Lincoln Day in, in and around February so that we have a cost neutral and school day neutral proposal. Thank you. That is exactly what I want to clarify. And I would love to add my name to this if I could. Um, and I thank you for bring. I thank you for bringing it forward. Thank you. Okay, uh, Trustee Rizzo. Yes, thank you. Um, I I was happy to uh, to co-sponsor this measure. I mean, New, Lunar New Year is a major holiday in San Francisco already, um, and in California. Um, I I think it 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 crosses. Uh, it's a it's it's a multicultural event now. Um, you know. Um, and it just makes total sense for, for us to, to uh, be able to celebrate uh, this holiday and give people uh, the day off at City College so that they can be with their um, families and, and friends. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty confident that the, the state uh, will, should we pass this, the state would uh, allow this to happen for us. So. Um, I uh, thank uh, Trustee Wong for taking the lead. And I think this is uh, um, uh, long overdue. So thank you. <clears throat> Sorry. Thank you. Um, trustees, could you put your hand down if you don't have, uh, if you didn't want to add anything else? Um, trustee uh, Villalobos, student trustee Villalobos. Uh, yes, thank you. Um, well, uh, Trustee Wong, but thank you for bringing this uh, resolution forward. Uh, first heard it at the Student Success and, and Board Policy, uh, Student Success and and Policy Committee, and I was I was very uh, excited about hearing uh, this res about the resolution. And uh, I yes, I think it's long overdue. Um, the resolution on this uh, observation of Lunar New Year. So I just wanted to um, thank, say thank you. Okay, and Trustee Chisty. Thank you. I also just wanted to commend um, Trustee Wong in leading this effort. I think it's you know it is really important to celebrate Lunar New Year, and um, especially in the time of um, AAPI hate that's happening in our community. Um, and I also um, wanted to kind of touch base on Trustee Selby's concerns and points about what was happening at SFUSC in regards to the uh, having Eid as a holiday for Muslim students. And so um, I think I think this resolution is a great 
way that we're kind of going about this discussion to start really thinking this through and, um, you know, seeing what we can do at the state level. And, um, I, you know, I'd love to also explore how we could also bring Eve into this discussion. So I really appreciate you kind of paving that pay pathway, um, Trustee Wong, through Lunar New Year. And um, Chancellor Martin, is there anything that we can kind of do at the local level? Like I was doing some research with um, LA Unified and they have their own internal calendar that they, they have some of their holiday, like these holidays listed. Now it's not like an official holiday where everybody has it off, but it's at least a way of acknowledging that this takes place. I don't know if that's something that we can kind of get in motion. Uh, yes, Trustee Chisty, we do have the ability to recognize in different ways uh, local holidays here at City College. Uh, we could uh, simply uh, send out uh, communication to the campus and acknowledge it through our social media. Uh, we also have the flexibility to potentially add uh, or change the academic schedule uh, that would require uh, some detailed conversations uh, regarding our academic hours of instruction and uh, work through our labor contracts as well. Uh, but there is a wide spectrum of things that we could do here locally. Uh, ultimately, it's something that uh, we could take to our governance uh, structure and seek feedback if that's something the board would be interested in. Great. I wonder, I mean, I, I I think the second part of what you're talking about is a more involved discussion, but I'd love if we can at least make it, um, I don't know if it's a part of this resolution, but I'd love for us to send out some type of communication through our portals, acknowledging Lunar New Year and celebrating it. So, um, yeah, so I'd love to see that happen. Okay, let's see. I think I'm next here. Uh, hopefully you guys can hear me. Um, Trustee Chisty, did you have anything more? Okay. Um, so I wanted to ask if we don't have, if it's not an official holiday, uh, can we do something as a district to instruct um, faculty like we do for the Jewish New Year um, about the Lunar New Year? And, you know, ask faculty to, you know, not have a quiz on that day or not you know, I don't remember the exact language, but I see this every year. So um, I think that there's Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur in there. And we maybe we could do that for Eid and for the Lunar New Year until we get a state, the state weighing in. Uh, thank you for the question, uh, President Davila. In, in ultimate respect of, of academic freedom, one of the things that we would want to do is engage with our academic Senate leadership uh, regarding those conversations. And that's something we can absolutely do. Okay, that sounds great. And um, I would like to add my name to this, and I'm wondering if anybody else would, if uh, Trustee Wong would allow that. Right. Okay. I, I believe I, I asked already. You did. Uh, you did. So, if, so if it's possible, that'd be great. Okay. And uh, it looks like Trustee Williams also would like, so it looks like it's unanimous, and trust, um, Trustee Villalobos, okay. Trustee so, Green as well. Trustee Green, thank you. Um, so, Trustee Wong, if that's okay with you. Yes, uh, thank you very much, colleagues, for your support. On to the state we go. Okay, so, um, Linda, can we have a vote? Oops, I hear I didn't lower my hand. I think we, did we have a motion? I'll move it. <laughs> I okay. don't know if we had a motion. Okay, uh, Trustee Rizzo has moved. 
Trustee Wong seconded. All those in favor. Let me see if Linda's here to take a roll call vote. I'm so sorry, I didn't realize I was muted. Oh. Um, okay. okay, student Trustee Villalobos, your advisory vote? Yes. President Davila? Yes. Vice President Rizzo? Yes. Trustee Chisty? Aye. Trustee Green? Aye. Trustee Selby? Aye. Trustee Williams? Aye. Trustee Wong? Yes. The motion passes. Great. Um, thank you for doing the um, background work on this, Trustee Wong. Um, okay, so now we are at the approval of minutes. So moved. Do I have a second? Second. Okay. All those in favor? Um, we need to take a roll call vote. Yeah. Uh, Is there a public comment? Oh, I'm so sorry. No, there isn't, but thank you for reminding me. Uh, student Trustee Villalobos? Yes. President Davila? Yes. Vice President Rizzo? Yes. Trustee Chisty? Aye. Trustee Green? Aye. Trustee Selby? Aye. Trustee Williams? Aye. Ah, there you are. Trustee Wong? Hi. It's unanimous. That's fantastic. I'm now going to ask my vice president to take over for a few minutes. I have to go grab my dinner. Okay. If I may, Vice President Rizzo, I believe we are on uh, taking public comment on items not on the agenda. Yes. Okay. Well, let's do that. Uh, public comment for items not on the agenda. <clears throat> Nick Rothman. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Hi, I'm department chair of the automotive department and I wanted to bring attention to um, some important programs that are probably not gonna be able to continue uh, because of what I consider to be potentially a clerical error. So I understand and everyone uh, that's been involved recently understands that we had layoffs and we have to um, refrain from hiring people in the affected areas. The thing that I consider to be a clerical error that I wanna bring attention to is that the motorcycle auto custodial and construction programs and auto body program are essentially separate uh, programs that I do not believe should all be considered one area. We hire the instructors, uh, train students and place students in different uh, job descriptions. And each program is its own entity, so to speak. So um, when we put them all together in one group, we cut off uh, the ability to offer a custodial worker for healthcare, which involves a partnership with General Hospital and Veterans Hospital. We no longer have a motorcycle program. And uh, we also um, are dependent on the few faculty members in the standard custodial program who are you know, potentially retiring very soon. So I wanted to consider uh, or request uh, to 
break these programs into um, you know independent programs as as I see that they exist and and therefore allow hiring of part-time faculty in the not affected programs. I hope this was clear in some way. I know it was sort of complicated what I just laid out there. End of comment. Thank you. Thank you. Next is Jesse McCard. I am right. Hi, my name is Jesse McCard. Uh, I'm a veteran of the Marine Corps. Um, I've deployed multiple times. I have accommodations for combat and leading Marines in combat. Um, I got an honorable district in 2014. And since then I've been going to school. And uh, so I'm coming up on eight years of, of, uh, of college experience. And so uh, my GI Bill is about to expire the end of this year due to the time that I've used it. We have 10 years or 36 months to use it. Um, I just got my uh, benefit extended by the VRE, which used to be gone by the vocational rehab. And uh, so I have the next two years to use it until that 10 years is up. And from what I understand, the automotive department is, uh, as the faculty members have uh, brought it to the students' intentions that, um, we're a dwindling program, and I just want to make sure that the uh, the people who can use these departments and use these facilities and learn through this program can actually have a future in the industry. Uh, I'm me myself, and for the next two years, uh, but also the students that are to come, since the students are actually the the future of the nation and. That's what college is for, I believe. And that's what I fought for in the military. Um, so I'd just like to, to have uh, a say and, and try to get everyone on the same page that, that, that the student faculty relationships and the departments are, uh, are all gonna fight as one. And uh, my classes that I tried to take this semester got canceled. So I just wanna make sure that we're all gonna try to do better and they're coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next is Brendan Kasuma. Yes. Um, hello. Can you guys hear me? Yes. All right. Um, I am a student under the biotech program. Um, I've been a I've been a student since fall 2021. And I'm actually just one semester from getting a work certificate, a work experience certificate. But the all of a sudden the cuts, the, the cuts happen without warning. And it created some concerns that hasn't even been fully addressed since now. But as I'm currently unable to finalize my schedule and I cannot even update my internship, and that's just only a few few of that of the confusion that's been caused by the cuts. So, I actually joined this program because I wanted to rekindle my interest in science as a as a bachelor as a recipient of a bachelor of science degree under back at SF State back when I was an SF State student, and I. And I tried to, uh, and I joined CCSF under the biotech program 
in hopes of 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 getting a chance to become a full full time, but a full time biotech, uh, sorry, a full time biologist, a career in biology, and uh, and with and the cuts just suddenly happened after we got I get myself prepared for the last semester. I got accepted to an internship, and I cannot fully update it. So currently, cannot fully update it. So my question for you to consider is. What are what is going to be done for the for students like me who are just hanging about who have the same concerns as me, and if there will be any options or alternatives that will be given to finish the program, that's 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 it. Thank you. Thank you. Next is Mika Malari. Hello? Yes, go ahead, please. <clears throat> um, hello, I realized that, that this comment does tangentially relate to agenda item 14C for this meeting as the Genetic Foundation grant, as described in agenda item 14C, directly supports the CCSF biotechnology work-based learning programs. And I'll talk about my experience in this program. Um, so again, my name is Miko Malari and I completed CCSF's AS in Biotechnology, Certificate in Biotechnology, and Certificate in Stem Cell Technology in the last cohort that was supported by five instructors as opposed to the two that will remain. Currently, I'm a research associate at a biotech company in South City, as well as a collaborator at UCSF. I do not believe I would be in the same place that, as I am today if I were to complete this po program in its current understaffed state. A critical piece that will go missing with these faculty cuts is the ability to support the robust internship programs that have an exceptional reputation in both industry and academic institutions alike. I did two internships uh, through this program, and these opportunities made it clear to me that I could make a career in research. Student success in these internships are, uh, are made a priority with faculty-designed concurrent support courses. Having the support during my internship helped me improve scientific communication skills and gave me strategies to navigate diverse work styles in research. The instructors have fostered a community within the workforce that provided me with networking opportunities that ultimately led me to my current jobs. Um, I've gained so much confidence entering the workplace uh, because of this program, and I'm saddened that future students will not have the opportunities I had because CCSF has decided to reduce the number of faculty in the biotech program. Please reconsider this, this decision. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Next is Karen Zimmerman. Uh, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead, please. Uh, my name is Karen Zimmerman. I'm an instructor in the biotechnology program. We had a, rec a nationally recognized program that trained students for careers in the biotech industry for the past 20 years. Note that I said had a program. Our biotech program provided an entry-level pathway, advanced technical training, internships, and also career exploration. We have lost four of our faculty and can no longer offer courses because we literally have no one to teach them. I recently read an article by Trustee Wong which demonstrates the continuing planning problems that we have here at City College. However, balancing the budget is not the most important issue facing the college. The most important issue is how to maintain quality academic programs and opportunities for students while also operating in, under a realistic budget. 
City College never does long-range planning for academics. Budgets are issued and academic departments are given few frantic weeks to adjust schedules and try to figure out how things to work with our reduced offerings. I urge the trustees to prioritize academic planning and urge the chancellor to do so as well. How else will we serve students when they sign up for a program that later gets canceled and they cannot finish? Students cannot plan ahead and they need to be able to do this. We have committed grant funding in our program to support three full-time faculty around 3.3 FTE through 2027. This is not about the budget. This is about eliminating faculty and taking opportunities away from students. We have the money to, to support our program. The biotech program is left with little to offer students. And of course, future students are not gonna enroll in our program because we don't have things to offer them. We will walk away from commitments made to students and numerous industry partnerships and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Please reach out to me by email if you have questions. Thank you. Thank you. Next is Leisha Practice. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead, please. I'm here to request for the biotech program. Please bring back the classes and faculties in the biotech program. I'm a former student of CCSF biotech program. This program has helped me a lot for returning to my favorite, favorite field after a long break. I'm sure there are a lot of people who want a career change or returning after a long break into this field. Through the classes in biotech program, I was able to brush up my lab skills and I gained hands-on experience in many molecular biology techniques like ELISA, QPCR, Western blot, cell culture, fluorescent microscopy, um, stem cell technology. And all these classes were very helpful to me when I joined as a research associate in a biotech company. And when I say all these classes were excellent and helpful, the credit goes to the teachers who were extremely passionate about their subject and put their 101% effort for their students to succeed. It's my humble request if you could reconsider about this program and bring back these faculties and classes so they can continue providing support and guidance to thousands of students just like me. Bay Area being the biotech hub, we need more trained people in this field. These classes are very important. So please re reconsider your decision on downsizing the biotech program. Thank you. Thank you. Next is Evan Garceau. Linda, I do not see Evan on. Shante McCormick. Do you see Shante? Thank you. Good evening. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead, please. Hi, thank you for taking my comments. My name is Shante McCormick and I am the English lab coordinator. I wanted to speak today about a real looming equity disaster in the future. Because of the layoffs and budget cuts, our peer and faculty tutoring resources have been decimated. Right now, we only have five embedded tutors spread out across 27 sections of English 1A and 1AS. Embedded tutors are funded to work with English 1A, 1AS sections, so we'll be unable to help students in the rest of the English classes. We only have a budget to add five peer tutors 
who will need to be available to help tutor the students from the other approximately 45 classes, sections of 1A plus 1AS. With a conservative calculation of 20 students per class, that comes to a total of 900 students seeking tutoring help that is non-existent. In the past, we have had faculty tutors and peer tutors, but because English faculty cannot be paid overload under any circumstances, we cannot have faculty tutors. This lack of tutoring for our classes will lead to devastating learning loss. I know of no other community college that does not provide a robust English lab for their students. The fact that we will not be able to provide our students with these services is inequitable and completely goes against our mission statement to provide an education for our students and the community. At the very minimum, our budget for peer tutors should be expanded while English faculty are barred from tutoring. Classes have only resumed for a week and already there are many, many students inquiring and having to be turned away for lack of English tutors. Imagine what will happen when essays begin to be due. This lack of a crucial resource will be catastrophic for our students and should be corrected immediately. Thank you. Thank you. Next is Daniel Goodman. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead, please. Hi, my name is Daniel Goodman. I'm a San Francisco native, educated at San Francisco Unified School District, a City College of San Francisco biotech program alum, earning a biomanufacturing and work experience certificate, and I'm a City College uh, continuing education student. I'm here to voice my concern over the cuts to the biotech program. Um, the biotech program via completing coursework and hands-on training, internship and mentorship opportunities, networking and job search events has been a key asset in me getting into the Bay Area biotech industry. Uh, the program is directly responsible for the connections that have led to full-time employment opportunities for myself and recruitment of uh, multiple alumni positions where I've worked. Uh, working in biotech has provided me with a career that is impactful, engaging, enjoyable, and well-paying enough to continue living in my hometown. The hands-on coursework and training, internship and networking opportunities, plus soft skills, job search, interpersonal communication elements incorporated along with the rigorous hard science education is filling an essential gap that many find a roadblock into gainful employment. Whether they're completing their first college coursework, full degrees in or out of science, or are making career changes, et cetera. Um, the cuts to the biotech program put at risk an incredible resource to San Francisco and City College. Uh, the biotech industry needs skilled workers and city, the CCSF biotech program is an incredible pipeline uh, for justice. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Next is Elisa Anderson Buckley. Hi there. Alyssa Buckley, I'm a former full-time tenured faculty member in English, laid off after 15 years of service to this college, and now speaking as a concerned San Francisco parent. Last spring, the English department pleaded for more sections and predicted that the wait lists would be overrun by early August. Sure enough, as the semester started, there were 305 students on the wait lists for English 1A alone. To my knowledge, only two sections have been added because that is all they can staff without bringing back laid off faculty. With all due respect, given the more positive financial outlook that was celebrated at the July board retreat, we can't afford it is looking like a pretty poor excuse. 
Can you please provide more information to students and the public about why more late start classes aren't being added, where there's demand like this, and why laid off faculty can't be brought back? It just doesn't make any sense to us. Thank you. Thank you. Next is Andrew Faw. Thank you so much for hearing my testimony tonight. Really appreciate it. Um, I am speaking because you may not know it, but two counselors serving the Tulai program and the VASA program, which provide important student service and retention programs designed to support Philippinex and Pacific Islander populations were terminated. So these two counselors were terminated and the future of the programs is at stake. It's a real problem that City College of San Francisco is doing this. These are student populations that greatly need support from the institution. And it's critical that City College provide full-time tenured positions in both these programs. The real irony is at the statewide level, the state of California has recognized the importance of serving especially the Pacific Islander community and the API community. And for the first time this next year is providing statewide funds to both the CSU and community colleges to start programs just like the ones that City College is terminating. Please do not let these valuable programs die. There may be some additional resources statewide, but really what is needed is to bring back the counselors who were terminated and to have two tenure track positions to ensure the future of both Tulai and VASA Thank you so much for your support of City College of San Francisco, API communities and students. Thank you. Next is Katrina Tech. Linda, I do not see Katrina on. Okay, how about Donna Lou? I do not see Donna either. Uh, Malika Finkelstein. I do see Malika. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Malika Finkelstein. Um, so there's a class, it's Photography 60A. It's Photoshop for Photography. And there are two sections. They're both full with waiting lists. And we want to open another section. It's a late start class. So we should be able to do that. Now, there are lots of other examples of need. You're hearing about it tonight all over the college. And you know this is happening where there have been layoffs, right? We've destroyed the motorcycle program. We have 70, 80, 90 students in low-level ESL classes. We've kicked students out from biotech, English, and more. EOPS counseling can't meet its ed code requirements for the number of students who need ed EOPS services. Classes and programs, especially those serving equity populations, have gotten the ax. That's the result of the layoffs you voted for. But I want to talk about photography here because I want you to understand this is also happening even where there is no issue about layoffs. This is a very simple example with obvious student demand, but the department isn't being permitted to add unless they cut somewhere else and there's nowhere to cut. 
So why make a rule that additions can only happen when they're offset by cuts? Who is served by that? This college has money. It's not like we can't add within our budget. And we know that because we looked at the numbers and we looked at them with you. So we know that you know, you know we know, it's all very clear. Anyone who says the college budget requires cuts does not have credibility with people who can do math, does not have credibility here in this room. And it made me think, now what would happen if we did this differently, if we turned the rule on its head, if we said no cuts without an addition somewhere else, would we be a better college? Who would be served by that? So will you trustees be brave enough to make that happen? Can you do it to add classes where there is demand? It's only what you all claim that you want. So your choice, it's in your hands. Next is uh, Lillian Villarosa. Linda, I do not see Lillian on now. Uh, all right, Lauren Finkenauer. I do see Lauren. Thank you. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead, please. Great, uh, so as others have mentioned, uh, I'm here to speak about some uh, course cuts, specifically for the Moto 90, Moto 93 courses, uh, which were punted from the summer and pushed to the fall semester and very recently canceled uh, under the guise that there was no one to teach the courses and that the, the courses were under-enrolled, which was not the case for Moto 90. And um, the instructor was available to teach the class and we were all under the impression that it was going to be held. And then um, the administration made the decision to uh, cut it potentially indefinitely. So other than bringing it to the intention, attention of this group, I'm here to ask that uh, the courses be reinstated uh, due to the interest of the students and keeping um, this sort of um, education stream going for those who are using it to have a career and, and be successful in the automotive and specifically motorcycle industries. Thank you. Thank you. Next is... Joseph Camina. Can you hear me now? Yes, go ahead, please. Okay, good evening. I hope the Board of Trustees is actually listening to me. I'm Joseph Camina, Instructor Automotive at the Evans campus. We've experienced cuts at our campus that have left the students with the inability to complete their courses in a timely manner. Evans campus personnel has been reduced to a minimum, which includes faculty, security, library service, and custodial. I invite every member of the board to come to the Evans campus and see this for themselves. I ask, is it the intention of the board of trustees to eliminate the trade skills department? If so, this is on all of you, as you will literally be taking away the livelihood and future of many students whose only hope and opportunity to make a living is in the trades. Please do us a favor, let our students know if this is the intention so they can make advanced plans to further their education in a school outside of San Francisco. Our instructors can cite many success stories. Our students have obtained jobs as stationary engineers, automotive technicians, plumbers, electricians, construction personnel. It's common for instructors at our campus to receive emails, phone calls from former students on a regular basis informing us of job opportunities and trades for our students. Thank you, and I hope you all will help our students achieve their goals. Thank you. 
Thank you. That concludes public comment for items not on the agenda. Can everybody hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, um, question. Yes. Can we circle back to the people that weren't present on the public comment? Sean, have they shown up? Sean? Uh, Linda, can you read off those names again? Evan Garceau? No. Katrina Tech? No. Donna Liu? No. Lillian Villaraza? No. That's all. Okay, maybe we can um, reserve some time later for them. Uh, Trustee Selby, did you have a question? I did, I did. I, um, I wondered if I could ask the chancellor. Um, I, you know, I take very seriously as the chair of the Student Success and Policy Committee, we've had, you know, many conversations about English 1A and about AB 705 and about how very important it is for um, there to be uh, support classes in addition to the English one classes. And I know there's a lot of information. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna stop you right here and say, we are gonna have a chance to talk to the chancellor about this. So uh, the chancellor has his report and he's actually addressing a lot of this too. So that would be the ideal time to start uh, asking him questions about that. Very good, thank During you. the chancellor's report. Um, Trustee Williams? Um, yeah, thank you so much, President Davila, and also wanna thank uh, Trustee Selby. I'm definitely taking the comments um, very seriously in terms of access to classes, and I look forward to the chancellor's report. Um, I'm very concerned about our offerings and, and students being able to, to complete. I think this. every single one of us takes the public comment very seriously. Yes, saying um, for myself. <laughs> so I, I agree, but yeah, saying for myself. So hold your questions because the chancellor has his report and I think he's going to discuss a lot of these uh, specific areas. Okay, so now let me see where we are. We're at stakeholder reports. So let's go ahead and I believe that um, the Academic Senate President uh, Mitra Sapienza is not here today, but is someone taking her place? I'm, so, I'm sorry, uh, President Davila, we, did we already do the student chancellor's report? And the student oh, oh no, nope, I just missed that. I sailed right past it to nine. Uh, let's do reports. So we have the student chancellor's report. Thank you so much, Trustee Selby. Um, okay, so we have uh, the student chancellor's report. Heather Brandt, is she here? Oh, I see what's going on. Okay, um, trustee, student trustee Malinali. Uh, I see yeah. Heather's here. Sean, are you having trouble unmuting um, her? Okay, <clears throat> hang on a sec. Uh, let me ask 
Student Trustee uh, Villalobos. Yes. Uh, yes, thank you. Thank you, President, and thank you, Linda. Uh, just uh, just wanted to let you know that uh, Student uh, Chancellor Brandt is not able to give her report at this very second. She's picking up her kids, but she will be back in a few minutes. Okay. So if we, if we could circle back to her. Yes. But in the meantime, if it's okay with you, I, I could um, start my report. Well, you're next, so um, why don't you go ahead? Yes, okay, thank you. Uh, well, first of all, good evening and saludos, everyone. I hope that uh, you all are having a, a wonderful day. Um, first of all, I would like to uh, welcome uh, the students at City College of San Francisco. Welcome uh, to a new semester, fall 2022. Uh, and to the, to the new students, um, hopefully you're able to uh, experience the in-person uh, classrooms. Uh, we haven't had uh, this this type of setting um, in over two and a half years. So welcome all students at City College of San Francisco. So I, I wanted to uh, uh, talk a little bit of, of, about what's what's happening and and, and it got, kind of ties into uh, the, the public comment that we've been hearing. Uh, we as student leaders, um, myself as a student leader, I'm, I'm here for students and I'm here to, to uh, help navigate CCSF for students and connecting them uh, with the different resources that we have and making sure that they, they see the right people that they need to see in order for them to uh, get to that finish line or that benchmark in their educational journey, um, anywhere from uh, earning their associate's degree, um, obtaining, earning a certificate, uh, fulfilling a, a classes for transferring or, or just for uh, uh, th themselves. Um, in this case, um, throughout this this last semester in, in the summer and the start of the semester, we've been hearing about the, the difficulties and the barriers for students. Um, myself being in the front line and working with students on an everyday basis, helping them with registration, um, I, I get to see a, a lot of uh, narratives uh, throughout the district, uh, as, as mentioned in, in public comment. Uh, we have English classes that we need. We have uh, biotech classes that we need, uh, floristry classes that we need that we've been having conversations for. We have um, just so many different classes that we need in order for students to complete their benchmarks or their goals. And we want to make sure that uh, they, they do get addressed, uh, make sure that we do continue working for a solution. Uh, to make sure that the students' needs are being met. Um, uh, I, I want to also uh, touch base on my report on the impact of the layoffs to the VASA counselor and the Tulai counselor. These are two counselors that are, are helping uh, the communities that they serve, uh, the, the Pacific Islander community and the Philippine, uh, Philippine X community. Uh, myself being a graduate of um, earning a certificate and earning an associate's degree in critical Pacific Islands and Oceania studies, I know the importance it is uh, to have uh, the counselors and the resources uh, being available for students that are are um, that are in need, in need for for counselors and, and resources to be present. We as a college, we need to do better in, in serving our equity populations. We need to make sure that uh, our our equities plan 
response to the populations and their needs and uh, in a in a cultural uh, way in providing cultural support uh, we need to make sure that we we provide um, we make room for indigenous students and and we just want to make sure that we are a reflection of our city's diverse community and so I just wanted to uh, emphasize that at, at the beginning of our, our this semester and this academic year and to uh, let students know that myself, uh, uh, student chancellor Heather Brandt and student cha vice chancellor uh, Naomi Heinen, uh, along with the associate student councils of the different campuses are here to serve you, are here to work with you and are here to advocate for you. And we're here to listen. So we're, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, uh, put my contact info. So uh, if there are students here or if you know students, uh, make sure that uh, you pass on the information to them and we're here to listen and make sure that our voices are being heard. Uh, so for uh, that would be it for right now. And I believe uh, student Chancellor Heather Brandt is back. Oh, good. Thank you. Thank you, trust, uh, student trustee Villalobos. Um, do you have her in the queue, Sean? Heather Brandt? I'm here. Can you all hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Okay, perfect. Um, thank you, student trustee, for going first with your report to allow me uh, the ability to pick up my children. Um, it's hard to time these things. Um, unfortunately, I can't be on camera right now. My reception's not that great, but um, I am going to begin with my report. Um, just wanna say good evening to everyone that's here. Um, and congratulations, I was here earlier in the meeting um, to hear about the resolution regarding Lunar New Year as a holiday. Um, and Trustee Chisty, as a part of my report, I actually uh, wanted to mention that I would love to work with you to draft a resolution so that Islamic holidays could be recognized um, as um, has happened with San Francisco Unified School District. Um, there's a lot of things that I could say because student representatives have been hard at work all summer long, um, but I'm going to try to focus on a handful of the most pressing things, um, the things that have impacted students the most or the things that we continue to hear. Um, students are constantly reaching out to their representatives, such as student trustee Villalobos, um, student vice chancellor Naomi Heinen and I, um, about class cuts. There is a sense of urgency um, because the need is now, um, particularly around English, um, ESL, floristry, um, counselors from BASA and Tulai. Um, and I think we even heard within this meeting from students um, and faculty in biotech, as well as uh, automotive and motorcycle, I believe, department. And I'm sorry if I'm saying those wrong. Um, aside from that, students have also uh, brought to our attention the impacts um, that the downsizing of storage of the student Gmail accounts has had on them and their ability to access programs and services, um, such as uh, applying for the full-time incentive grant when they need to upload documents to show uh, proof that they have an educational plan or when they go to apply for um, programs such as the Associated Student Book Loan Book Voucher Program. And I should briefly just mention, just in case for those that do not know, 
Um, the full-time incentive grant is a $500 grant that is given to students um, who are enrolled full-time at the college and um, have completed a FAFSA. The deadline for that is Wednesday, August 31st. And um, the application for the Associated Student Book Loan Book Voucher Program is open to enrolled credit students. Students that are taking three to 11 units are eligible to get a $100 book voucher and students taking 12 units or more are eligible for $200 book voucher. I think that it's also important to mention as a part of this uh, that faculty um, make sure they meet their adoption deadlines and that the books that are required for courses um, be listed in the campus bookstore so that students that have uh, book vouchers through EOPS or AS book loan book voucher program or even high school programs that have agreements with CCSF and have their materials covered by other means are able to access those books um, with those book vouchers at the campus bookstore. We're also hearing from students about out outstanding student balance notices going out, um, especially for students that have already paid off their balances. Um, and so this continues to be an ongoing issue. And if you're a student in this situation, I would love to hear um, more from you. Unfortunately, um, I am not able to type into the chat, but student trustee, if you'd be so kind as to um, potentially share my email, that would be great. Um, aside from that, what else can I say? Um, there is a lot going on at CCSF, but always, um, a lot going on outside of CCSF as well. And so we engage uh, at the state level. And um, some of the things that we've been working on is supporting assembly bills such as 1919, the Fair Free Student Transit Pass for California Community College students, CSU and UC students. Initially, this started out uh, as being a bill focused on getting youth transit passes. Um, but through our work and efforts and advocacy has gone on to include students of all ages, um, as well as Assembly Bill 2881, which focuses on prioritizing students with dependents um, in public post-secondary education. Um, both of these bills have currently made it through the legislative process and are on the desk of Governor Gavin Newsom and are awaiting his signature. So this evening, I will be working to draft letters that students can send out to urge his support. Um, and I forgot to mention um, as a part of this that the executive student leadership has been a part of these efforts, uh, as well as with regard to Assembly Bill 1919, we've been working with Trustee, Ch uh, sorry, Trustee Selby um, and uh, I think for me, this has highlighted um, what the possibilities are when we come together. And the hope is that um, by getting free transit passes for students, we're removing one less barrier. And yet I realize that that's just part of the battle for students. Uh, free public transit doesn't mean much if we don't also have classes to attend. Which is why as student representatives, we are actively fighting to address the concerns of students uh, regarding class cuts. Aside from that, I just want to mention that the Student Senate for California Community Colleges will be hosting their professional development and leadership training Friday, September 30th through Sunday, October 1st here in the Bay Area. 
The theme this year is tomorrow's leaders begin today. Be the first, be courageous, be a leader. Um, and as, as a result of it being here in the Bay Area, it only felt appropriate for us to submit a proposal to present. And so um, the Academic Senate President, uh, Mitra Sapienza, and myself, as well as former uh, SSCCC Student Senate for California Community College President, uh, Angelica Campos, who is a student here at City College of San Francisco, um, submitted a proposal to talk about um, the collaboration between uh, students and faculty, uh, because we realize that we're better together. And um, when we do collaborate, students get ahead. Um, I just wanna lastly say, as always, the Associated Student Executive Council is committed to working with whomever is interested and dedicated for the betterment of CCSF and making improvements that will lead to the success of students now and in the future. It is truly our goal to ensure that students are able to participate at any and all levels in the decision-making process. We are continuing to actively recruit and appoint students to open leadership positions. We wanna empower students, not only by making space, but teaching them their rights and presenting opportunities for involvement, such as in the case of participatory governance and hiring committees. We would also love to see students have the ability to join faculty hiring committees as a means to ensure diversity in the hiring process. Thank you everyone for your time and have an amazing evening. Thank you. Okay. Can everybody hear me? Okay, just making sure. Um, so next, I think we do have uh, the Academic Senate President, Mitra Sapienza. Are you here? Okay, well, maybe not. We'll, we'll circle back. Um, so next would be classified Senate presidents. Do board reports? reports and oh, I'm sorry. I went back. Um, my thing is stuck, so I can't get, go from one to the other very quickly. My, um, board docs. Sorry about that. Um, so the board committee reports. First, we'll start with the budget and audit committee. Mm -hmm. Thank you for, uh, for bringing me up, uh, let me pull up my written report here. Um, so, okay. So for budget and audit committee meeting, we had three items, the monthly budget update, FY21 free city audit findings report, and the FY23 governor's budget, district budget and block grants. For the FY21 free city audit findings report, um, Vice Chancellor Alleman gave a presentation. So we focused on deficiencies in academic year two in our performance audit. The first issue is um, uh, the performance audit says that we did not provide sufficient information to support our methodology for allocations for administrative salaries and benefits to the Free City College Program Fund. And it mentions that the payroll expenses allocated to the Free City College Program totaled uh, just almost uh, $600,000. The recommendation from the audit report was for DCYF to require City College to submit a methodology for review before approving additional staff allocation expenses. Um, and that the, that the methodology for allocating staff time to the Free City Program needs to be better defined and approved by DCYF. 
Secondly, uh, the other thing that they flagged was um, the oversight committee for the free city program met less frequently than required by the MOU. We're required to meet once every three months in the MOU. So the performance audit found that the oversight committee met in November 2020 and April 2021 during the audit period, which is less than the frequency of meetings that is required and didn't comply with the MOU. The recommendations for from the performance audit was for DCYF to require the oversight committee meetings to follow the rules and meet every three months. And just to note, we're not in control of the free city oversight committee meetings. So I, so for us, I think we just need to support and encourage those meetings. For the next part of our budget committee, we also discussed the FY23 governor's budget, district budget and block grants. Um, some highlights. Um, the governor signed the budget bill along with the many other bills to implement the budget. The big items include a $600 million base increase, $200 million for part-time faculty health care, $650 million for block grants for, for districts for COVID-19 related expenses, a $493 million or about 6.56% COLA, and also it creates a new funding floor at the end of the 2024-25 budget year. So starting in 2025 to 26 districts will receive the greater of what they would receive under the funding formula or what they would receive in total revenues in 2024-25. Thank you. Um, okay, let's move on to the facilities. Thank you. Thank you, Trustee Wong. Um, yeah, we had a um, um, pretty short meeting. There, there was, um, let me bring it up here. There, there was just a few things. We had a report on the Havelock Bridge uh, issue again, and the city has um, um, built a, a uh, crosswalk at, at the bridge now. It's a kind of a raised crosswalk across the street. And, um, um, uh, so that we got an update on that. Um, and then there were the two action items that we uh, approved uh, that are on on the uh, calendar, consent calendar later on the agenda tonight. Um, the um, uh, uh, revision to the master uh, bond project list and um, notice of completion of projects, which is good news. And uh, that was it. Okay, thank you. And um, third, we have the Student Success and Policy Committee, uh, Trustee Selby. Yes, I wasn't there. I had COVID, but um, we had uh, Trustee Chisty, I believe, who took over. Trustee Chisty? Yes, I can provide a brief update from my memory um, of what we discussed. So um, one of the items um, which we've already passed at this board meeting was a resolution brought forth by um, Trustee Wong um, to recognize Lunar New Year as a holiday and to urge the state to take those steps. Um, the second item um, I believe we discussed and Trustee Wong, feel free to chime in, was um, an update on the Bridge to Success program, which is a partnership between City College and SFUSD. And um, we received a general update about um, the different events that take place. Um, I think 
One of them was Discover CCSF, CCSF Connect, and Frisco Week, um, which seems to, which is still going strong. I believe there was roughly about 300 participants um, in Frisco Week um, recently. And then um, uh, I think we also had about seven, uh, approximately 700 um, SFUSD students um, that registered um, at City College in fall. Um, tying in the partnership between SFUSD and CCSF. Um, and then I believe the last thing that we discussed was an update on the Cantonese program, which is um, just where we are with that process. And um, Trustee Wong, I don't, if you want to jog my memory of some of the takeaways or someone wants to help me out there. Sure. Um, so for our Cantonese program, um, Currently, we have a upcoming, we have a realistic proposal for a nine unit certificate. Um, so for the for the advocates and, and my, myself, you know, the ideal is really to get a 16 unit certificate that qualifies for, for state funding and also counts uh, is something that's acknowledged uh, at the state level and other, uh, other institutions. Um, however, uh, currently we we lack a writing class that can help um, make that happen. There, there are requirements that require us to have a writing class to enable that to happen. So a longer term goal might be developing a a writing class that um, works with the Cantonese uh, program or aligning it with some other classes that already exist. But for the short term, um, from what I've discussed with the, the chancellor, to creating a certificate program is um, is a, a pretty fast uh, uh, a process. Uh, with with maybe half a day's uh, work, a proposal can be submitted to use our existing nine classes to count towards a nine unit certificate program. So this wouldn't count for additional uh, state funding. It um, it would count as a local certificate. Uh, so if people go through those classes, then they would be able to get a certificate from City College of, of San Francisco. So, you know, it's not the ideal that uh, I think the that I and, and the advocates uh, want, but I, I think it's an interim step that can help us build towards a 16 unit program. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anything else? Okay, is there any public comment? No, there is not. Okay, great. Um, let's go to stakeholder reports then. I kept trying to do that before. Sorry about that, you guys. The Chancellor's report is now. Oh, see, I can't even see that. Okay. Um, Chancellor's report, Chancellor? <laughs> yes, President Avila. And first off, uh, good evening, trustees. Good evening, campus community. I'd like to welcome everybody back to the uh, fall 2022 semester. I'd like to start my report with a sincere note of gratitude to the entire campus community for the work uh, that has been done, uh, the work that is going on, and the work that will happen into the future as we uh, reopen City College to our community. Uh, we set a goal of having approximately 65% of uh, classes in person this semester. As it stands today, we are uh, a shade uh, under 61%. Uh, so we are uh, very close to hitting the goal and reopening City College, but doing so in a way 
uh, where we're still acknowledging and recognizing the demand for online opportunities. Uh, getting here today uh, was really the testimony of, of hard work from a lot of good people. Uh, we still have things that we have to work through in reopening our campus after two and a half years of, of shelter in place. Uh, those are items that I know our facilities team uh, is working on uh, and that will continue to progress as we move forward uh, into the second and third week uh, of the semester and well on into the remainder of the fall semester. But I just wanted to take a moment uh, and thank the college for the work that it has taken uh, to reopen City College and to come to campus on the fourth day of the first week uh, and see the upper reservoir parking lot uh, filled with cars and seeing students walking around campus. Uh, it is uh, very close to what a pre-pandemic semester or start of the semester would feel like. And I just wanted to, to recognize uh, the hard work from our faculty, our staff, our administrators, uh, board, the leadership and the community uh, in coming together uh, to get to the point where we are uh, open uh, to the campus community. I'd also like to take a moment and touch base on uh, a recent resolution or a recent action taken by the board in respects to the student debt. Uh, we did uh, track in the first couple of days uh, after the board uh, permitted uh, staff to waive the debt of approximately 750 students. Uh, we did have uh, just under 100 students register uh, within the next couple of days uh, based on the debt being waived. So that is uh, progress and it is wonderful to see uh, a large number of students who maybe otherwise would have not have registered if it wasn't for the board's action in waiving their debt. So that is a number that we hope to track through census date and ultimately bring back more information to the board, but it did uh, move the needle and it impacted uh, multiple students on our campus. So I just wanted to share that uh, for, for the campus community. Uh, we do have a couple of uh, critical positions. Uh, that we are uh, in the process of hiring the Vice Chancellor of Human Resources. I believe the search committee uh, is interviewing a viable pool of candidates, so we do hope to get that process uh, through uh, its final stages and hopefully have a name to the board uh, here in the coming months. Unfortunately, our PIO position, our search committee, did not recommend anybody to move forward, so we are going to uh, restart that process and potentially utilize a community college uh, search firm to help uh, expand and, and recruit uh, interested applicants to get a larger pool for that PIO position. Uh, it is very critical on our campus community and, and our campus and something that we want to uh, fill as fast as we can. I also wanted to touch base on uh, the September board meeting, I, I believe we may have the option to do a hybrid meeting here on the Ocean Campus. I know uh, we have folks uh, in, in different departments coming together to put uh, a classroom uh, in a position to provide a hybrid format. Uh, we'll have some more information for the trustees and the broader campus community, but we are circling uh, the September regular board meeting as the first opportunity to have a on-campus a hybrid board meeting uh, pending board approval. So that is something that we will have more information on here uh, in the near future, but excited to take that next step uh, in reopening and getting back to in-person operations uh, in a safe way uh, that meets everybody's uh, expectations in regards to our policies and procedures as well. I would like to take a moment and spend the, the remainder of my report uh, in speaking to uh, the fall schedule. 
Uh, we have uh, done, in my opinion, a great job up until this point in uh, shifting uh, the mindset of what uh, potentially has been done, in my opinion, in the past. We have not uh, rolled forward uh, schedules. Uh, we have, in my opinion, shifted the mindset to putting out a schedule of classes that very closely resembles schedules of the past and hoping that the classes fill to providing a, a tighter schedule from the onset and now transitioning into managing the enrollment that we've seen. Uh, we have added classes in sections where there is demand. We have shifted classes from one location to another in order to address demand that we are seeing as students enroll. Uh, that is work that is actively uh, going on. Our deans are working closely with our department chairs to evaluate uh, enrollment on a daily basis, uh, open up sections if there's a need, as well as shifting sections to where the need may be greater. So that is ongoing work. And it's something that we're gonna continue to do as we start building the spring schedule here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we are shifting the mindset to managing the enrollment that is here. And that is something that we will use this fall as a data gathering point, as we now have 60% plus of our classes in person to build a better spring schedule and then use that information to build a better 23-24 academic year schedule. Uh, we are uh, going to manage the enrollment in a way that uh, provides opportunities for uh, growth in areas where there is growth potential and ultimately take and utilize resources where there may not be growth and make sure that those resources are discussed uh, and potentially shifted to areas uh, where growth can occur. I would like to take a moment and talk about the biotech program. Uh, so throughout the summer, uh, what I think was a product of a great collaboration between uh, the Dean, uh, the department chair, as well as faculty members in the biotech program, ultimately came to a conclusion and, and drafted a schedule uh, for the fall that I believe kept in place uh, approximately 13 of the 15 original biotech uh, courses. Uh, so we do have uh, a significant portion of our biotech courses still in the schedule and pathways still exist. And I think that was a product of a, a really good collaboration between the Dean and the department chair and the faculty. Uh, to keep those doors open. As we stand here today, I believe there is uh, approximately a 63 or 64% fill rate across our biotech courses. So there are still plenty of open seats available. And I would encourage uh, any member uh, of the campus community who is interested in our biotech program uh, to reach out uh, to the department and uh, see if we can get you into uh, one of the several open seats that are still available across uh, the 13 or so biotech courses that are still in our schedule. Uh, in respects to our ESL, uh, we are seeing uh, enrollment in our ESL programs throughout the different centers now that we're reopening uh, to in-person classes. Uh, ESL, I believe, approximately has 59 full-time faculty. It is still our largest department uh, on our campus. Uh, we have approximately 125 uh, sections of ESL throughout our different centers and online. Uh, as it stands today, if we were to take uh, the average number of students in each one of those ESL sections, we are still 
uh, below what that average was last year and in the previous few semesters. So that is a number that we're monitoring. I know we're working closely with the department chair to shift classes where there is demand. Uh, for example, uh, we are opening an evening course and have opened up an evening course at our mission center. Uh, and that was the product of enrollment management and identifying the need and shifting resources to where uh, that need uh, could fulfill a community uh, whole or a community need in respects to an evening class at the mission center. And those are ongoing uh, examples of things that are happening now and will continue to happen. And one of the critical components of monitoring non-credit is really looking at the actual contact hours uh, in which the student uh, engages throughout the semester. Uh, so for example, we could have an ESL course with 50 names on the student roster. And at any point during that semester, students may engage uh, at one point, they may engage at every point during the semester, or they may not engage at all. Uh, so non-credit attendance is uh, calculated using contact hours, the actual uh, contact uh, that our faculty have with the students in the classroom setting. Uh, last year, uh, we did have uh, approximately 23 across uh, the, the board of our non-credit uh, schedule of classes, approximately 23 on average students in a class at any one given contact hour. And I know that's averages and, and uh, there are uh, variations to that depending on the class, but that is a number that we're monitoring. Uh, so of the uh, you know, ESL courses, uh, we will keep monitoring those and monitor, excuse me, and add sections. Uh, if there is uh, contact hours uh, that we can define as we move forward into the spring schedule development process. I also would like to take a moment uh, to touch base on the English uh, courses. Uh, we have been working uh, with the English department and our dean uh, has done a great job in identifying uh, available section opportunities. So we have recently added uh, three uh, new sections of English 1A to our schedule. Uh, we are also shifting and working with students uh, that were on the wait list to get them into uh, the open seats that uh, we currently have in our sections. Uh, in addition, uh, throughout uh, the schedule, we have approximately 10 or so percent of students who are enrolled on the first day uh, who ultimately drop uh, before census date, whether it be uh, for no-show or uh, taking a different class or ultimately deciding not to continue in that class. So as that 10% of natural attrition happens, uh, we are communicating and we have emailed students and we are working with our counselors uh, to let them know when sections are available, uh, when seats are open so we can get students into uh, the open seats that we do have and that we will continue to have as the first two weeks uh, work out as uh, the scheduling of students become more firm. Uh, we are also going to use this information to build a, a stronger spring schedule. Uh, we are at a point in English where we have uh, three full-time faculty away from uh, the campus right now on sabbatical leaves. Uh, so when they get back in the next academic year, uh, that will provide another opportunity to expand class offerings if the demand uh, holds and we see that demand continue into the spring. So those are uh, just examples uh, of many things that we're doing now uh, to shift the mindset from uh, providing a schedule, uh, hoping it fills, to truly managing the enrollment that we have.
Uh, it's going to be an ongoing uh, discussion. We're not going to uh, be perfect the first time around, but we are going to use the information that we're seeing, our gathering. Uh, we're going to look at and work with our department chairs as we build the spring schedule uh, to continue to evolve as an institution and manage the enrollment that we have here today. Uh, so with that said, I, I hope I touched on many of the points that the trustees were hoping that I would, and I'd be happy to answer any questions uh, that the board may have. Thank you. Sorry, it looks like we do have some questions in the queue. Uh, we'll start with Trustee Rizzo. Yes, thank you. Um, <clears throat> I, I would, um, I, I just have a question about enrollment um, uh, that that may, the, the New York Times article last May that, that a lot of people were talking about um, where they were reporting that nationwide spring, um, spring enrollment nationwide was not not recovering um and um i'm just wondering how is uh enrollment doing so far uh compared to uh last year overall sure. uh, thank you for the question vice president Rizzo. so as we stand today our fall enrollment is uh, behind the enrollment that we were seeing at this point last fall uh, before getting into definitives, it's always nice to get through census state where we have some firm data uh, that's not volatile and, and changing uh, hour to hour as students uh, come through the first two weeks of the, the camp. <coughs> uh, but as we stand today, we are behind. Uh, statewide, we are seeing uh, about a 20% decrease uh, in students in the California Community College system. Uh, most recently, last spring, uh, 71 out of the 72 districts reported a, a decrease in that year. So we are uh, in the majority in respects to districts seeing decreases. The one district that did see an increase was Palo Verde, uh, way down in the southern most part of California, and that increase was very small. Uh, so we are uh, in line with the community college uh, trend, I would say, throughout uh, California. Uh, but that doesn't mean we aren't uh, looking at ways to grow and we are adding classes uh, in areas that uh, there is demand. So that is something that we hope to bring more information back once we're past census state. So I hope that answered your question. Yeah, and, and uh, there was just an article in the Chronicle recently that said uh, um, unemployment was was very, very low right now in, the, in San Francisco, the Bay Area, which um, typically uh, d does not mean, uh, usually that means continued decline in enrollment in community colleges. So um, I'm not actually surprised to hear that. I, it's too bad, but I'm not surprised to hear that. Um, <clears throat> so we've added classes to um, English, you, you reported. And did, did we add classes to biotech? Uh, we did not add additional classes from what was originally scheduled, but we were able to keep a large majority of those classes in the schedule uh, and students are engaged in those classes. It, you, you kept more classes than you originally uh, said you were going to, right? So uh, that, that is correct. So yeah. over the summer, the dean and the department chair uh, <clears throat> spent several meetings uh, putting together a, a plan to keep uh, approximately 12 or 13 of the original uh, 14 or 15 classes in the schedule. And I, I believe that's where we stand today. Okay. And, and so there is room, 
there, there is still room. Uh, you, you said that the biotech program has 64% uh, uh, fixed, 64% filled, which means 36% empty seats that we could that are available for people who want to take classes. As it stood up this morning, that is correct. As of this morning. Okay, thank you. That, that's all I had. Thank you. Thank you, Trustee Rizzo. Um, student Trustee Villalobos? Yes, uh, thank you, President. Uh, I have a, a couple of questions. Uh, in, uh, you just mentioned in your report, Chancellor, that out of the 750 student debt uh, participants, only 100 students were able to register and enroll for the semester. Um, can you talk about the, the outreach efforts uh, that were used in order to reach out to the 750 students? Because it, it at 100 students, even though it's it's great that it's 100 students, but that's only 7.5% out of the, the intended um, overall number. Uh, thank you for the question, and uh, I apologize for, for not being uh, clear on the timelines because I think it's important context, uh, student trustee Villalobos, and I appreciate the opportunity to respond again, is the number of students that engaged in the program was within the first couple of days, and then we have yet to re-pull the data. So I, I do expect and hope that there will be more students. Uh, we just at that time pulled uh, the first set of data after the, the first couple of days uh, to see uh, where we started in regards to impact. So uh, we do hope to have more students as the, the semester continues to uh, get closer to census date. Uh, where we're at today in respects to outreach, we did uh, send a direct email to those students. Uh, we also sent them a text message as well to uh, inform them uh, not only of the email with more information, uh, but to let them know that they are eligible and cleared uh, to enroll and, and register in the classes. So we did do the two-tiered approach with the email and the text message. Uh, I do think we could follow up and uh, do that communication again. That's something that uh, I can circle back on tomorrow morning. I, I think that's uh, a great opportunity for us to maybe catch uh, some more students here before census date and for late start classes. So that is something we can do. Uh, yes, thank you, Chancellor, because we do have August 29th, uh, September 24th, and in October as well, mid-October, as the next wave of late start classes. So that, that would be ideal. Uh, so my follow-up, um, well, a different question would be, as far as uh, the the students that have been speaking on the different classes that have been cut within the different programs, such as English, biotech, floristry, automotive, and motorcycle. Um, it, it seems that you mentioned that there, there has been a way or a method or a solution to uh, address those, those concerns to having those classes within those programs. Uh, can you say more? Can you reassure or affirm to students that within these programs that were mentioned and other programs, uh, they will be able to continue their educational journey in those uh, specific programs? Sure. Uh, thank you for the question, uh, student trustee Villalobos. Uh, and I, I would be hesitant to, to speak uh, in definitives, but I do know in respects to our biotech program, our English program, our motorcycle repair program, 
our ESL program, we do have classes uh, still in the schedule. I know our department chairs are, are looking at the spring schedule next to potentially offer uh, new pathways or a continuation of pathways so students can get the classes uh, that they need to finish their certificate uh, and or degree. Uh, we're not at a point now where we've recommended any of those programs through our discontinuance process. Uh, so we do hope and we'll work uh, with our campus uh, to keep those options open. Uh, they may look different, and in many ways, they do look different than what they may have been in the past. And that's something that we are uh, mindful of. Uh, we are uh, cognizant that the department chairs and the scheduling uh, need to take that into account. Uh, but we are monitoring open seats in classes in those programs, and we do have open seats. We do have classes uh, in those programs available in our schedule. And as we look at the spring, it's providing the next series so our students can seamlessly transition through the program. Uh, so I, I know that may not have been a direct response, but I, I do know uh, we have yet to discontinue or remove any of those programs from our schedule in their entirety. Uh, and we'll work to keep as many pathways open as we move forward into the spring and beyond. Okay. Uh, thank you, Chancellor. And I also put uh, uh, student leadership emails in, in the chat. Hopefully that's shared with uh, everybody in attendance. Thank you. I'm glad you're doing that, uh, student trustee Villalobos, because sometimes people come in mid-meeting and then they can't see what was in the um, in the chat beforehand. Okay, I see we have trustee Selby, trustee Chisty, and trustee Wong in the queue. Trustee Selby? Thank you, President Davila. Um, and um, thank you, uh, Mani Nani, actually, for answering one of my questions, which is, when are the late start classes? And I wrote down August 29th, September 23rd, and sometime in October, if that's correct. Um, and I think that's really, uh, I, I one of my questions to you would be, Chancellor, how do we get that information out to people? Because I think people, a lot of times they think if I missed the beginning of the semester, I'm done, I'm cooked. So is there a way that we actually uh, recruit uh, students for the late start? Uh, yes, and I think one of the uh, mechanisms that we've always used, uh, email, uh, is something obviously that uh, has been a staple in our communication outreach, but we are going uh, a different uh, direction in regards to adding new steps. The text messaging solution signal vine uh, is going to be up and running. Uh, obviously, the text message uh, in many ways may be more effective than the email, uh, so that's something that we are going to get up and running. Uh, this semester, as well as the email. So it, it's kind of layering them on top of each other. Uh, also using our social media, our city notes. I know our counseling faculty do a wonderful job in working with students and directing them to those classes. Uh, so it's really putting it uh, together as a package, not only with the outreach, but as we interact with our students, uh, with our counselors and with our, our tutors and our, our student support specialists, our support programs, uh, it's really collectively uh, informing our students of the opportunities that will uh, be here uh, throughout the semester. So I, I think it's a, a multi-layered approach, uh, but the signal line text messaging solution, I think, will, will provide us an opportunity to do something different 
as well as being on top of and really prioritizing uh, our social media uh, outreach to those late start opportunities is something I know we're going to be committed to this semester. Thank you. And I would love to see, honestly, I, I when we spoke uh, probably a few weeks ago, we were very close to the similar for the fall of last year. I, I don't know that that is still the case. The gap might have grown. You're not, you're not, you're not talking about that. You're talking more about the overall, how much we've lost overall um, since COVID began. But I would be, I guess I would I would like to know if we are close. And if we are close, then I would really love to see us make that up with this late start, with these late start classes with a real serious campaign to get people into those classes. Yes, Trustee Selby. And uh, as uh, I'm taking a couple steps back in respects to the enrollment, uh, I would say we're approximately 12% down from where we were at this very point last year. Uh, but as we got closer to the fall semester, that gap did uh, widen. So we did start the summer uh, much closer. And then as we got closer, we did see that that gap widen. So that is something that we can uh, really focus our efforts on in the late start and see after we get through the late start census date uh, where we land. And all of this information is going to be uh, part of developing a spring schedule that, that is placing our resources where we see them today, as opposed to just rolling forward a spring schedule uh, from the past. And that is something that I know our campus is committed to. Thank you. And um, I also wanted to just kind of um, understand when census date is, because that seems to be a very key date. Uh, it's 20% of the way through the semester. And if I have a couple of moments, I, I can follow up with this specific date or I can pause to see if one of my colleagues know it off the top of their head. <laughs> that would be great because you keep mentioning it as sort of the date. Um, and I would certainly love for uh, at least to the trustees and possibly to the community as a whole, if we had some sort of an idea of where things stood at that time, because I know everybody is very concerned about you know, English 1A, which takes me to my, my next to last question, which is um, I'm concerned about the tutoring you mentioned, and I'm very, I'm very happy to see that you have the three open, they've opened three additional classes. I think that's great for English 1A, but as I mentioned earlier, uh, and, and President Davina said, you know, you'll hear about this later. Um, it's so very important. Um, AB 705 only works if we have the support to make sure that the students who start off in English 1A get the additional supplemental support through tutoring, through peer, all of these things that, um, that Vice Chancellor uh, Cooper Wilkins has been very, very clear are, are necessary. So I would like to hear from you what's going on with the tutoring um, for the classes like English 1A, which appear to be you know, robust and, and working really, really well. Uh, thank you for the question. And if I may preface it or, or start uh, the response by uh, confirming that September 6th, uh, Tuesday, September 6th is census date uh, for our full term courses. Uh, so that is uh, for for the campus information uh, on the campus calendar. In, in respects to the uh, English labs, that is something that we are uh, working on. Uh, we have added additional hours here in the last couple of days uh, to our English lab. 
Uh, we are also in the process of finalizing and loading into our system our student uh, tutor budgets, our student lab aid budgets, uh, which will also provide additional support. We are going to uh, have funding available uh, for our English lab. And as we get uh, into the semester, if we are seeing uh, opportunities to, to add more lab hours, that is something the dean uh, is constantly looking at. And we may have some more opportunities here uh, as we get more further into the fall semester. So uh, I do want to uh, be more succinct in saying that we have added hours the last few days. Thank uh, you. We will continue to monitor hours. We will continue to uh, engage in the budgeting process for student lab aids to make sure those funds are available. And we'll uh, continue to monitor that and report back to the board uh, with any adjustments that we make here in the coming weeks. Wonderful. And my last question uh, is, is kind of a little bit of a question and a statement, and it's using my expertise as a sort of customer service marketing communications person in my day job. Um, I've heard from several students that they continue to get notification that they have student debt. At the same time, they get notification that our, their student debt has been taken care of. And I, I understand that one student, at the very least, was told that it's a third party who is doing the auto, auto responses to the students, and that's why they're getting these conflicting messages. And I would, I would just say, as a, you know, as somebody who does these sorts of things for a living, your auto response folks should not do anything without your approval. And so there's something wrong with your process. If we are seeing the same students who are getting congratulations were able to cover your debt, and I'm really looking forward to Free City covering almost all of our student debt, as well as money for recruiting students, um, since we're not spending all of our student debt. And I would love for us to put that on the agenda if we could for the Student Success and, and Policy Committee as long as we're opening up uh, the free city. Um, but I just wanted to say, to me, it doesn't really make sense uh, that you have a third party that may be sending things at the same time that we're sending things that are in opposition. And I would hope that whatever that process is, you could, you could look into it and, and fix it ASAP. Uh, thank you, Trustee Selby. And yes, that is something that we are uh, looking at. There has been uh, complications with timing, and that is something that we are aware of and need to improve. And I do look forward as part of my September report to bring back some things that we have implemented uh, to address that situation. So I would appreciate the opportunity to uh, put some things in place and then report back to the board next month. Thank you. Okay, it looks like we have Trustee Chisty next. Thank you, President Davila. Um, thank you for um, your report, Chancellor Martin. I really appreciate it. Um, I think I, what would be helpful, and this would be through Chair Selby, um, if we can, and I'm just reading the past minutes too, and this came up there as well, but if we could get... Um, like maybe some write-up or a PowerPoint or some sort around the fall and um, spring class schedule and kind of everything you've been talking about. Um, I'm having a little bit of a hard time following. Um, we, I, I had office hours this week and I've heard, I heard similar things in public comment as well today, particularly around floristry, the floristry program um, and horticulture program 
English, um, motorcycle, and um, I think those were the three the three big programs. And so I I, I just want to have a better under and and biotechnology of like how is demand right like if there's a wait list like what triggers what process and just kind of delving into that a little bit more and maybe even having like some type of scenario you're walking us through uh, using a class uh, an existing situation to help us understand better um i think that that would be very helpful um and i yeah i think so through chair selby if we could kind of delve into this topic a little bit more in detail because the thing i'm very 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 concerned about and this came up before is that and this was in public comment today that student who needs that class this semester to finish their certificate and they can't finish and i don't want them right like i don't want to tell them you can come back in spring when they're so close to finishing so i don't know how we're addressing that issue. Um, so I, I just like to delve into that a bit more. So thank you. Thank you for your comments, Trustee Chisty. And that is a presentation that we would be happy to put together uh, if Chair Selby permits on the Student Success Committee. Okay. So, um, Trustee Selby, can you put that on the agenda? Someone? Yeah, thank you. I mean, actually, what would be helpful, Trustee Chinsky, is that can you write that down and send it to me so I make sure I get it right? Thank you. Okay, so now we have uh, Trustee Wong in the queue, and then student Trustee Villalobos. Thank you, President Davila and Chancellor Martin for your report. You know, I, I too have heard many concerns from both our students and, and our, our staff, and you know, I've been hearing from our our students and staff that uh, yeah uh, that have expressed concerns about English ESL biotech horticulture forestry motorcycle and other programs as as well at at City College and for for me you know I, I think we, we need to really identify a a clear process on how if if there are needs that aren't being met, how are we, what immediate action can we take to help support these students? How are we mit, you know, mitigating um, impact on, on students? So, you know, I, I share some trustee Chistie's um, uh, kind of desires to understand what our process is so that students also have an understanding of, okay, if, if this isn't working, what's my what's my next step? What's my remedy towards getting the class that that I need? And so, I I think that we're all committed to ensuring that our students are able to access the classes they need, and and if they're able to take a class, uh, ensure that they can get that class and, and graduate um, or finish their program in in time. So, I really want to have a clear outline on how we meet those needs and how we ensure that when there's a need for, for access, how we are meeting that and being able to show to our community that a clear understanding of, of how that how that works.
Thank you, Trustee Wong. Uh, your comments are noted and, and we will make sure that's part uh, of the future presentation. Student Trustee Villalobos. Uh, thank you, uh, President Davila. I, I just, um, I, I know that I'm, I'm sharing our contact, the student leadership contact emails in the chat, but uh, I don't I don't see it being shared with everyone. It doesn't give me the um, share with everyone um, option. It's only giving me the host and panelists. So I just want to make sure that students are able to see my 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 uh, post as far as the the contacts. Um, Sean, is there a way to do that? We're looking into the issue right now. Okay, so maybe um, before the meeting's over, we'll have a solution for that. Well, hopefully sooner. Uh, thank you. Did you have another question? Uh, no, thank you. Okay, so it looks like um, everybody has gone in the queue and I had a comment. Um, I wanted to ask the chancellor, it looks like what we're trying to do is academic programming. Is that correct? Uh, yes, we, we are trying to to implement uh, and shift away some away from some of the past practices in regards to uh, rolling schedules forward uh, to really being intentional and building schedules uh, based on need, uh, based on enrollment management techniques and programmatic decisions, uh, as you mentioned. Is uh, some of this um, the effects that we're hearing from students in public comment? Is that a result of this or will it get better? It, it will, and I, I do believe it will get better. And I think right now we are uh, in a time where we are uh, coming back from the pandemic. So we are seeing uh, demands uh, for classes in areas that uh, we're learning from uh, now that we're 61% back. I also think uh, as we work through uh, some of the personnel decisions and work through some of the opportunities that we may have uh, post layoffs, we will be able to open new doors. Uh, and that's something that we have done. We have in certain departments provided uh, opportunities for uh, expanding classes, even in areas where uh, there was an impacted uh, department due to a layoff. And those are things that we will continue to do uh, into the spring. I think one of the critical components of the programmatic thought process or the enrollment management concept is to continue the momentum and build next schedule, uh, next semester and the semester after uh, in ways uh, that reflect uh, progressive thinking in respects to where our students are going. And that is something that uh, I know we're doing now uh, and we're going to continue to do and I hope to bring it back as part of a presentation. But I, I hope that answered your question, President Dalbar. Well, I, I actually have more. So with um, academic programming, it usually involves the entire campus, especially the Academic Senate mm -hmm. and the PGC. Are you taking the data and um, sending it to uh, your proposals to the Academic Senate and the PGC? Uh, so we, we are uh, engaging, and what we will do uh, is not only look at uh, some FTS enrollment numbers here this spring with our department chairs and our campus community and our academic senate, 
Uh, but utilizing the program review process. The program review process is where our faculty uh, and our department chairs submit uh, their ideas for innovation and uh, strategic uh, pathway decision-making. Uh, we have funding available in the current budget to, to hopefully move the needle on some of those programmatic uh, ideas and innovative uh, concepts, and that is based out of the program review process, and, and we do have funding for that. Uh, so I do hope that that is something we are uh, able to reflect upon as a, a significant step forward uh, in, in building future schedules to meet the need uh, of today and into tomorrow. Okay, um, because this is something that I think has been, people have been calling for for a while and it's been in a bit of disarray. As you say, it's only just rolling over what we've done in the past. Um, and, and that can work too, but I would hope that we would have um, a more strategic view of this. But at the same time, there, it's one thing to provide these classes, but it's another thing to also provide uh, classes for the rest of the community too. So not everybody's in a transfer program. And of course, we know that the, the SCIF, the student-centered funding formula, um, tries to privilege those students that are in transfer, um, transfer programs or programs that will transfer. So what are we doing across the board? I don't know if floristry transfers, for example, or the motorcycle um, program. How, are those certificate programs? Do they come under other funding sources? How does that work? So those are certificate programs. Uh, they are funded through the student-centered funding formula, but in a different way, uh, based on whether they are uh, credit uh, for uh, a credit program or if they are a non-credit or an enhanced non-credit uh, degree or certificate. So those are uh, the different tiers we do have, uh, as you mentioned, floristry and, and moto uh, repairs and our automotive uh, do fall under those umbrellas. Uh, floristry, for example, has, uh, I believe, an associate's degree, uh, but it also has uh, our different layers of certificates. There are certificates involved uh, in that program as well. So it's really looking at it uh, collectively I know that's a broad statement, but we are uh, in a position where we don't have uh, unlimited resources. And really the component of program review is to have a one uh, process or a single defined process that we look at uh, the demand and future opportunities for growth and use that process to fund those growth opportunities, acknowledging that that funding may have to come from areas uh, where there isn't. Uh, a defined demand or hasn't been one. So those are uh, tough discussions that every campus goes through in the enrollment management process. But ultimately, that is how we're going to slowly shift resources in a way that is transparent. Uh, it's understood and it's really based on a vetted process that is driven by uh, our faculty and our campus community. Okay, it looks like some um, pretty heavy discussions are up next year then. Um, we have Trustee Williams and then uh, student trustee Villalobos again. Yes, thank you, President Dabla, and thank you, Chancellor Martin. And I agree with President Dabla that these are definitely gonna be difficult conversations um, looking at 
that program review process. And I'm actually interested, Chancellor, in terms of sort of, you know, past, um, you know, practices or past practices. Um, could you talk a little bit about what role has program review played in our enrollment management process in the past? Because it seems like from your earlier statements that we're sort of entering a newer territory where we're not just kind of opening up classes like, hey, if you build it, they will come sort of approach, but sort of having this more strategic process. And it kind of concerns me to be completely honest that, that you know, past practices haven't been rooted in that. And I would just, for full transparency, want to talk a little bit about about that, like the program review process and, and why has that been utilized in the past? And like, what have been some of the barriers for us to not really have this strategic enrollment management approach because I look around at other community colleges and you know going to different ACCT conferences and interacting with folks I really want to see our college get to that place and I, I'm just curious about some of those barriers particularly the program review process so, thank you for the question trustee Williams so uh, in respects to the uh, historical practice here at City College we have gone through the program review and the annual planning process uh, each year to my knowledge the a uh, component that is new this year is we have uh, unrestricted general funds uh, budgeted for uh, funding those ideas. Uh, in the past, uh, unrestricted general funds to fund those needs has not been uh, built into the budget. So uh, categorical funds in many ways were, were put together or pieced together to fund one-time needs here and there, uh, but nothing ultimately that would be uh, sustainable or ongoing to take an idea or take an innovative concept and really commit to it with ongoing funding. Uh, so the ongoing funding or the unrestricted general fund budget uh, allocation this year uh, is something that is new uh, to my knowledge uh, to this district in the last several years. The second part of that is really acknowledging that, for example, if we have, and I do believe we have a $750,000 allocation that hopefully uh, will be part of a board approved budget here in the coming weeks. If we allocate that $750,000 to ongoing needs, we are not able to add another $750,000 every year because we live in a world of defined resources. So the additive concept uh, will not work. Uh, if we allocate 750000 to areas of defined growth, we have to refill that bucket with the resources that we already have. And those resources need to be from programs and areas where there isn't and hasn't been ongoing or defined demand. That is the tough part of program review. Uh, every college is great at thinking of innovative ideas and funding it one time. But to keep that funding going, to keep that momentum in strategic enrollment management, we have to refill that bucket every year. And those are the tough conversations that aren't fun, uh, but we will have them uh, as a campus because we need to put our resources where our students need them. And that program review is going to be the, the vehicle to do so. Uh, so I hope that responded to your question. Yes, it did. But I was also speaking to the program review process for existing programs as well, not like innovating on what's already here, but in terms of the in like sort of what's already existing, what is that, uh, what has that process been in terms of like, you know, as we all know, it's difficult to say, hey, 
I'm, there may not be demand in my particular area and maybe we need to kind of pivot. I mean, that's a really hard conversation. So I was more curious. I know we have great ways we can grow our programs, but just, you know, really wanting to have honest conversations about what is here. And, sure. you know, when we have folks come out and speak in public comment about, you know, certain programs and there's this huge demand for it, but then it's, the numbers aren't adding up. I mean, it gets a little bit, you know, it's like kind of going in circles. So I think this is for me a really core um, topic that I want us to address. And I'm, I, I'm absolutely, you know, I'm looking at academic affairs and that whole process uh, more and more and just really curious as a trustee about it and how those decisions are made because us as the board, we're not, you know, creating the schedule. We are, are allocating resources and we, you know, academic affairs, our faculty and that side of the house is really responsible and of course, with your leadership to really make that happen. But just to be clear, the board doesn't determine the schedule. And we get a lot of emails, a lot of calls, a lot of public commenters saying, you guys are cutting these classes. You guys are not doing this. And it, it's really hard as a board member and just trying to demystify what actually is happening when we create the schedule. And I'm just tired of, of hearing that for all of us, for all of my colleagues and also myself, because if there's a demand there for our students, I want us to, to have those classes available, but it feels like there's something else happening here. And I just want to demystify the process and for folks to know in full transparency, the board does not create the schedule. We allocate resources according to what we have available with all the constraints we know that are there. So I just want to put that out there um, and just, you know, speak to that. But yeah, I definitely want to hear a little bit more about existing programs and program review in addition to the innovation. So thank you. Uh, thank you, Trustee Williams. And if I may uh, echo and reiterate the comments in respects to the, the schedule development, I do believe uh, that within board policy, that is uh, fully an operational decision that is under uh, the purview of the chancellor. And that is something uh, that uh, I will uh, continue to provide information to the board on. But ultimately, as the department chairs and the deans work with the faculty, the schedule development process is something that is operational and, and needs to be driven uh, by uh, the campus staff uh, to ensure that we are putting those resources out there in areas where they're needed. And in specific uh, response to the programs that we currently have, uh, part of the program review process is to look at uh, existing uh, FTES and FTEF and some of those metrics that we utilize. Uh, the step further that we're going to take this semester is we're really going to look at the last several years across all of our programs and identify trends. We have trends in our schedule, uh, even pre-pandemic, of programs and courses that have not garnered or have not uh, shown uh, definitive or semester over semester demand. Those exist. We have to look at them and we will look at them in a picture or a, a snapshot over the last several years. And those are conversations that will be transparent. Uh, we are gonna start the spring schedule development with our department chairs here in the coming weeks and looking historically as we're now transitioning out of the pandemic and more to a traditional schedule of classes. Uh, those are things we will do and we must do uh, because we have that data and now it's using that data uh, in a way to, to increase classes where there is demand. 
and reduce schedules where there isn't demand. And those are things that, that we will do this semester. So I hopefully that added some more context to how we'll approach the existing programs uh, in the coming semesters. Thank you for your leadership, Chancellor Martin, and thank you to your entire team and thank you colleagues for indulging uh, my questions. I, I yield my time. Okay, um, I think we have another question from uh, student trustee Villalobos. Uh, thank you. Um, I, uh, I know that that we as a board might not be um, might not be the ones that direct or guide uh, what classes or what programs um, are going to be cut or what classes or programs are going to be added or the schedule. Um, but it, I, I think for me, it's it's more important to to know what's happening, to know what's happening with classes, um, you know, as a student, hearing the narratives of students of not being able to get a class or, or not being able to complete uh, a benchmark, whether it be a certificate or an associate, because classes have been eliminated, that that that's troublesome uh, to, my, to myself. Uh, you know, as a student, I'm not able to sit in those spaces where the program review happens or where the the actual scheduling of classes happens, uh, this is this is my this is my avenue. This as students, this is our avenue to be able to have that uh, that voice. Um, and and so I, I do understand that, and and I think a lot has to do with uh, you know not being part of the space, not being part of that that space. But we as a board, what we do have. Um, the I guess the the privilege is to to advocate or support class programs and implementations or or faculty not being laid off or uh, resources to programs being present. I, I think that we we do have that responsibility as as board and and we we should continue um, or not continue, but we should move in that direction to make sure that uh, student needs are, are being met um and and i and and i and i value the, the the report that the chancellor is bringing up with having solutions for uh the programs such as english and, and biotech and and uh, automotive motorcycle uh, esl and, and floristry in the back in in, in the past because it is very important um, I, I, I will continue to advocate for these spaces until students no longer have that that uh, narrative anymore because the solutions were uh, the solutions satisfy their needs. So in the meantime, I'm going to continue doing that. Um, and and I also want to uh, for this recording, I also want to make sure that since it's the beginning of the academic year, I want to make sure that uh, uh, our student leadership contacts are uh, documented. So I'm gonna go ahead and say it until this, this the chat function is, is fixed. It hasn't been fixed yet, but I'm gonna go ahead and, and say the uh, context. So students, please reach out to us. Myself, student trustee Malina Livia-Lobos at student, tr student trustee at mel.ccsf.edu. Student chancellor, Heather Brandt. You could email her at student chancellor at mel.ccsf.edu and student vice chancellor Naomi Heinen 
at student student vice chancellor at mel.ccsf.edu. Um, and and I'm, I'm sharing this. So if there are students out there that um, want to get a hold of us and we could have those dialogues and we could have those conversations and, and see what we could do as students. Thank you very much. Okay, and I'm gonna ask um, Sean a couple of things. One, are we able to put that in? I can see the messages that you have, um, student trustee Villalobos, in the chat now. Was that the um, issue? Yes, thank you very much. Unfortunately, I'm not the one able to send it out. I don't, I don't know why it has to be. Um, I, I don't know, but it's posted. That's the, most, the, the main uh, importance. Okay. And um, the other thing too is I, wanted to ask about um, getting academic senate president in Sean so if you could work on making her a panelist because she is here and I looks like I am I have no more people in the queue no more trustees in the queue um, so I, I do want to just mention one other thing um, as we embark on this massive approach that um, as in other academic institutions everybody is part of this faculty is part of it uh, faculty are part of it students are part of it so when we move forward everybody should have some input into this i mean that's how new areas get expanded and I'm sure that happened with visual media design when they went from the light box to the computer. And it, it, um, part of it is professionals in that area, but the other part is student demand. So, and I was also, um, I think I've mentioned this before, I was on the unfortunately named crack committee, which was the curriculum review and appro approval committee on the academic Senate. I don't know if there's something similar to that, but I did that at San Francisco State. And um, we deliberated a lot and we got input from all the stakeholders before deciding to eliminate anything, to merge it into another program, to create something new. It's how some of the new departments in the College of Ethnic Studies were created. They all went through um, this, the crack committee. Um, and so that kind of process is really important to have student input and faculty input on these things so um, i trust chancellor that that is what will be happening as we start moving forward with this academic programming wait can you hear me uh, yes President Davila, I was just uh, confirming your statements and that will be a part of our future conversations. Okay, all right. Um, anybody else have anything before we get back to Academic Senate President Mitra Sapienza? Okay, Sean, is she a panelist now? I'm here. Oh, great. Dancing over here. Fantastic. Thank you, President Davila. Um, good evening, uh, trustees and Chancellor Martin and colleagues. I'm uh, happy to be here. I hope that you are all well and taking good care. 
Uh, in the first few weeks of the semester, the focus of the Academic Senate leadership has been primarily on communication and collaboration, which we've heard a lot about this evening from a variety of people. Um, so here are our highlights since our last uh, board report. We held our annual Academic Senate orientation this past week um, as we get our new council situated for this academic year um, and prepare ourselves for our first official Academic Senate meeting, um, which is scheduled for September 7th, 2.30 to 5 via Zoom. All are welcome. That's my shameless plug for Academic Senate. Uh, and when we say all are welcome, that truly does mean all. Uh, these are open meetings and uh, community members, student leaders, students, trustees are, are all welcome. Um, we also helped host a community partner who helped us hold spaces for wellness and healing as we continue to, uh, as we've heard tonight, and we continue to all feel the impact of the layoffs from last uh, year. I want to thank uh, Chancellor Martin and William Mosley um, whose efforts helped uh, develop flex day activities that were focused on um, grief and healing in the workplace and how the layoffs again have have impacted us and this was facilitated facilitated by a local nonprofit uh, who centers their work on grief and healing called yg2d if you're interested the senate hopes to continue this work um, and to kind of to make a priority the mental health and support systems that we offer one another uh, at the college through through difficult times and uh, hopefully lots of other things to celebrate as well. I also wanted to share that um, with the leadership of uh, Senate Vice President Sherry Moralia, um, she's been working closely with the Office of Online Learning to establish support tools for faculty to submit their syllabus into Canvas, which is our learning management system, um, which will directly help us fulfill accreditation standard 2A3, which asks us to maintain course, uh, current course student learning outcomes on all of our syllabus. So this will be uh, a, a place to hold our, our course syllabus uh, for review from the ACCJC uh, during normal accreditation reviews. We've also been working with the department chair council and Chancellor Martin uh, for continued efforts in updating the faculty hiring document. I mentioned this to the board at your retreat, um, still working on it. The faculty hiring document, um, I have been pouring over like many codified processes at the college is in need of updating as there are some basic inaccuracies, just practices we don't follow, uh, titles we don't use any longer. Um, and some processes that are outlined that we are not currently following consistently. So it is important uh, to point out that many of the documents that we have, like this one, were established long before we made our various institutional commitments to diversity, equity, and inclusion. So in addition to clarifying small inaccuracies or inconsistencies, um, in the operational parts of the agreement, the quality of this document also depends on how the document itself and the processes it outlines can be more inclusive, affirming, and empowering. This is a great opportunity, I think, that we have for us to show how much we value improving our hiring practices and diverse, 
diversifying faculty hiring, but also equally how much we value the employees who we are asking to work uh, on search committees. Um, we have also established ongoing collaboration with uh, Vice Chancellor Jesse Lee, meeting with him regularly. We are continuing our meetings with this uh, student, Chancellor Brandt, and student trustee Villalobos, as, as you know, student trustee, um, and also uh, who, who are both sort of led uh, by the incomparable director, Amy Coffey. Shout out to Amy Coffey. Um, and we've been continuing to bolster uh, processes for collegial consultation with Chancellor Martin. Um, overall, from where I sit in this respect, it's been uh, a very fulfilling first few weeks of the semester in these collaborations. Um, and closing, I just wanted to share a resource uh, that our first vice president, uh, first vice president Moralia has been updating for this new school year. So if you're like me and you're unsure about when such and such a committee meets or if you're scheduling a meeting and want to check out possible overlaps or if you just want to see how awesome the employees at CCSF are and how hard they work to serve students through the committees they serve on and the many, many, many meetings they attend, um, I'm going to put a link in the chat uh, for this calendar that we're very proud of. and. Um, hoping also to include all of the Board of Trustees uh, uh, general meetings and also subcommittees uh, on this calendar. And that is it for me. I look forward to hearing from all of you. Uh, if you have any questions, and I appreciate your time. Thank you. I'm so glad that you could make it. I'm here. I was here from the beginning. You had me on my feet, my toes. Oh. I thought I was up, then I wasn't up, and then I thought I was up, but I was here. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Very happy. Okay, so we have a question or comment from Trustee Williams and then student Trustee Villalobos. Well, really, it's just a comment. Um, just want to say congratulations, um, President Sapienza, and really look forward to working um, with you and with, your, um, with all of the Academic Senate. Um, for this year, um, really to get to the heart of some of these sort of longstanding uh, challenges that we've had at the college and um, just really appreciate your commitment to DEI um, in particular, but I know there's just so much and I agree with um, student trustee model Nolly that we um, definitely should be including students in these conversations in these spaces. One thing I remember back in the day with AS is that the academic Senate meetings would be this are the same time is like the ocean campus meeting. I remember that. Um, so hopefully the meetings can kind of allow for folks to attend um, in terms of coordination that piece, but thank you. Thank you, Trustee Williams. Um, I think um, there's a request to retype that link again, if you I can. I see that, yeah, I'm gonna fix that. Thank you. Okay, and then uh, student trustee Villalobos. Uh, yes, thank you, President. I just wanna, yes. Uh, if uh, if you could retype the link, that that'd be great. Uh, I think it's separated or broken, uh, but yeah, I, I look we, uh, myself as a student leader. I look forward to uh, having those collaboration meetings uh, throughout this academic year. We look forward to it. Um, it's one of my favorite spaces. Uh, we're able to to get a lot done. So thank you for that. Same. Thank you. I'm going to try to get this link in before I get removed as a panelist. 
Don't worry about it. No, we're all waiting with bated breath. Okay, let's try it again. I think I got it. Uh, yeah, we're really excited about this calendar. And of course, I hope that's, I think that looks all linked there. Um, and it's a, uh, it's a shared calendar. So it's, it's also linked to the PGC committee uh, calendar. So okay. um, it's got a lot of things on there, although we, we hope to have um, even more. So that way you wouldn't have the problem that Trustee Williams talked about where one meeting's at the same time as another meeting. Yeah. Uh, we, with uh, student um, organizations also? Um, you know, we, we tried, we, we're still working on getting all of the student, you mean the student associated student council yeah. meetings? Yeah, yeah, that's one piece we need to roll over from last year. We did have them up last year. We had the board meetings up on it last year. We even had beans and chairs and DCC. You know, we know that those meetings are closed, but um, again, you know, depending on why you're using the calendar, it's nice to know, even if you're, maybe you're an aspiring department chair, um, then you can see how often, you know, you're expected to meet. So we see it as a way to professionally develop one another, um, to make one another aware of what, committees are are and and their activities or, or how frequently they meet um, but many of the meetings on this list are open um, and so at the 26 academic senate committees for instance actually i think minus one um, the student grade, grade and file review committee is not an open meeting uh, but all the others are so it's also a way you know for those of you who are curious you know about enrollment uh, registration and enrollment. You can visit that meeting, enrollment management. Um, you'll have you'll have that information all in one place. Okay, that's fantastic. And I am also looking forward to working with you two this year. Thank you, President Davila. Okay, so let's um, see. Now we are done with the stakeholder. See, I have it on my on my iPad too, so I can actually see it. <laughs> And I'm um, trying to make sure we have not missed anything. Um, do we are now on, I don't think we had the Service Employees International Union. Is that correct? That is correct. Or, or the classified Senate President's report. So let's go back there. Excuse me, President. Yes. Uh, Maria Salazar Cologne is at a conference, so she won't be here to. Okay. Present. So, and then I, I just received a word from Athena Steph, and she won't be presenting either. Okay, so we can go straight to um, AFT Local Twenty One Twenty One. Uh, President Davila, um, President Brave Woman is unable to attend the meeting tonight as well. Okay. Well, let's go to the Administrators Association Co-Chairs Report. I think this will be the first one for Stephanie Chenard. Is that correct? Is she here? Tonight? Yes, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, great, great. Fantastic. <laughs> 
Um, good evening. Yes, this is my first report. And so I wanted to say uh, good evening, trustees. This is my first report to this body as co-chair of the Administrators, Asso Administrators Association. Um, as we return this academic year, the college looks different. There's fewer staff, fewer faculty, fewer administrators. Um, we are a slimmer institution this time than this time last year. Uh, I am the only remaining member of the Administrators, uh, Administrators Association's Executive Council who um, uh, started this year. Um, but that said, for the first time in several years, the Administrators Association Executive Council has is fully appointed with seven members with a wide representation from all areas of the college, including student services, finance, facilities, and academic affairs. Um, people have decided to step up and be a part of this new world that we're in. I want to say it was refreshing to see students back on campus last Wednesday. Being with students in person, faculty, and our classified staff has helped breathe life into what, what felt like deflated lungs. And as we work to find our footing again, there's a new focus on a fresh start and a build back better. As administrators, we are looking at how to move forward to better serve our current student and community needs. And we're looking forward to working on healing and rebuilding in the next year. And that is all I have to report for this evening. That's it? Uh, well, I'll say we had our first meeting, so so more to come. In, in, okay. um, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, I agree with you on the students. So. It's great to see students in classrooms on campus. And so hopefully that attracts more students. Um, okay, so we have uh, the department chair council president's report, Darlene Alioto. Thank you, Stephanie Chenard. Appreciate it. Uh, good evening, trustees. Welcome to a new semester and to a new academic year. Needless to say, it was a hectic and busy summer for most of our department chairs who had to revise their teaching schedules as a result of the full-time layoffs and subsequent loss of their part-time faculty. And we'd like to extend on behalf of the department chairs our gratitude to those department chairs that worked all summer in getting a new schedule out in order to um, serve uh, their students and their faculty. Our course and service reductions have been severe to such an extent that we are now not really able to fulfill our mission. For example, as you have heard um, this evening, uh, we have approximately 300 students on wait lists for English 1A. I'm thrilled to hear the chancellor say that we were able to open up uh, three more sections of English that should take care of about 90 of those students, uh, but we, have we are still turning students away. That doesn't just negatively affect the students and negatively affect the English department. It negatively affects all of us. If a student can't get into their English 1A class this semester, then I don't get them next semester. And their pathway to a certificate or to graduation or to transfer is delayed. 
and a pathway delayed is a pathway denied. We really are not serving our students. Um, we're not serving them for graduation and transfer. We're not serving the taxpayers of San Francisco who view us as their college. And we certainly didn't serve our faculty who believe that tenure meant something. However, this semester being back on campus, most faculty and students are thrilled to be back. Yes, we've had to work out a few bugs like locked classroom doors, windows that won't open and questionable ventilation. But there is a new vitality that you can feel when you walk through the campus. We haven't had that in a couple of years and everybody it really feels good about having that back again. Chairs will be working on their spring schedules in a couple of weeks. We will be working closely with Interim Vice Chancellor Jesse Lee, who has already reached out to us and made us part of his uh, team um, in a very collegial and communicative manner. And so we certainly appreciate that. And we look forward to working with him as well as the chancellor as we move towards a schedule for the spring semester. And we hope to recover much of what we lost. It is our belief that a lot of the reductions were based on misinformation. And we hope that this will be the opportunity to work with administration in order to um, move on and to recover uh, much of what we lost. And finally, we're hearing a rumor and we don't know if it's true. Uh, we're hoping that it's true. Uh, the rumor that we're hearing is that there's been a change in state, something in state funding has changed so that there is no longer a fiscal cliff as we have known it over the past several years. So if that is true, then more than ever, we need to come together and work with each other in order to bring back our students and to help them fulfill their goals and their dreams. Again, we welcome you back to the new academic year. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, so um, next we have the budget update. Certainly. Good evening, Trustee Davila, trustees, chancellor, administration, and guests. Um, as presented during the budget subcommittee, we are currently in the process of doing our year-end adjustments so that we can prepare our general ledger documents um, for submission to the auditors who will begin their work. Uh, I had a conversation with Eve Bailey yesterday. They'll begin their work in late October, early November in order for you to have a audited report of both our revenues and expenditures for the fiscal 21-22 year. Uh, our revenue has come in at this point um, as anticipated. If you will scroll over to the, or scroll left, please, Grace, to our totals, the final column, and scroll up. There we go. 
Um, we have projected approximately roughly about $186 million in revenue, and that's close to where we are this year. We also uh, anticipated roughly about $181 million in expenditures, um, slightly less than what we originally started with the adoption budget. So it's my pleasure to at least tell you for uh, this fiscal year that we did come in uh, slightly under projections. Um, we were able because of the adjustment from the prior fiscal year um, to be able to carry a cash balance over, um, which will again is a rolling one-time balance. Um, we still have some adjustments to make as some of the lost revenue adjustment that was made um, was captured in the general fund, but our accountants are still working um, to move those funds and transfer them out to the uh, appropriate uh, fund sources for which we captured lost revenue. But for the most part, I'm, I'm pleased to say um, at this point, it looks like we've ended the year in the black. We did not end with a budget deficit. Um, and with that, uh, I'd open it up to any questions from the board. Okay. Um, I actually have a question uh, to start off and a comment. First of all, I will say that if you um, were looking at Grace's agenda right now on the screen, but if you open it up in from your email, you can see it a lot better. So it's it's very hard to see when it's on the screen here. No, we at apologize. For, yeah, at least for me. Um, and the second thing I wanted to ask you is about um, lost revenue. Was this revenue that is uh, what what is lost revenue for starters? Well, part of the provisions of HERF allowed colleges to capture lost revenue based upon a three-year average, which was done prior to the pandemic. And so what we did for the end of the 2021 year was to capture revenue that was associated with a variety of sources. It included our non-resident tuition. It included our parking fund, child development funds, um, and other areas which we did not um, get the revenue as we have in prior years, including sales tax. So we were able to do a uh, an adjustment that allowed us to start this fiscal year with the carryover cash balance, and that is continued um, to roll over and allow us to meet obligations. As you can see from the first line, because of how our state apportionment fluctuates, at any point in time, we could be short anywhere of $16 million, which basically means we're floating um, dollars from other funds in order for us to cover expenses. It's also one of the reasons why it's been recommended that districts carry at least two months of uh, average monthly expenditures in reserve in order for you to be able to deal with this ebb and flow. 5% um, is the minimum. Our board policy indicates 5 to 9% um, because we have set aside a 5% reserve um, with the additional cash reserves that takes us slight, that takes us um, over that 5% amount. But as you can see, given where we are in any given point in time, um, we could be as high as $15 million in cash and then be $16 million in the hole. Um, but that's what we use for the uh, lost revenue piece. And we're going to do the same thing this year to look at where our revenues still have not come back as uh, in prior years and utilize the remainder of the HERF in order to backfill those sources on a one-time basis. Um, thank you. I have another question about that. So, um, so as you're looking at 
uh, making up um, lost revenue with her funding. You're looking at everything that you could possibly find here, I take it. That is correct. Everything okay. permissible via the restrictions of the HERF. Right. And then um, the other thing is regarding the two months, I've heard about that, that that's going to be the new metric, um, two months of um, your operating expenses yes. as a reserve rather than the 5 to 10%, I guess, that most community colleges have and the 5% that's required. Uh, what would that be for us? Um, for us, on average, we expend roughly... I want to say anywhere from 14 to 15 million dollars a month. Um, Grace, if you'll scroll down just slightly, we can just take a quick look. Um, let's go down a little bit further. There we go. Uh, you'll see that bottom line um, anywhere 14, 16, 22, because of the three, uh, the month where we have uh, three payrolls. So give or take, it's about $14, $15 million a month for our average expenditure. So if and we went by- what percentage of, so two months of average- Two months at $30 million on a $160 million uh, budget, uh, or I'm sorry, $180 million budget, 30%, be slightly less than, slightly less than 20%. Okay, so that's a substantial increase. Do we get any benefits for that? Well, the benefits are that. I mean, aside uh, from being able to adjust to fluctuations, but is there any benefit to well, if the state if the state's mandating that? Uh, what benefit do we get from that besides covering well, fluctuations? Well, the benefit is that if there are needs, programmatic needs, on a one-time basis, you'd have the ability to not harm current programs and services and utilize some of those funds on a one-time basis in order to do program enhancements or add additional programs or services on a one-time basis. It gives you that flexibility. If you do not have it, then the other criteria is that if there is an emergency and at one point in time, uh, districts were not receiving state apportionment because of the state situation and were receiving um, funds basically two and three months in arrears, it would allow you to be able to cover your bills um, without running any cash or program deficits and allow you to basically be, you know, to sustain operations. Um, one of our main goals is to be able to make payroll. And if we don't have sufficient cash in the bank, um, we cannot process any of our payroll receipts. So when, if, so if you look at it by not having it, um, it would put you in a position for you not to be able to make payroll, which would be a grave and yeah, it'd be a grave and serious occurrence. So, so um, how many, or I don't know if you know this, but how many community colleges in California currently have uh, two months in their reserve? Um, I haven't looked at the averages recently. I wouldn't call it two months, but there are a number of colleges who have reserves well above the 10% range. There are a number of colleges. I don't know what the average is, but I'd be happy to go take a look. But there are a number who are well above 10%. Okay. And I mean, this is a lot to ask. Are we scaling up slowly? or? But it's a lot to ask all of a sudden to go from 5 or 8% to, you know, 15 or 20%. Well, I don't think at this, at this point, I think it's discussions and 
as with anything, normally there is a period of time for you to implement. Um, but until we get further definition as to if that will be a requirement, um, then it would depend upon the requirements of the rules. And then we would need to make the adjustments as needed in order for us to ramp up to that level. Okay. But at this point, I don't have anything definitive to share with you okay. that says that that's a given or what we would need to do. Thank you. I see Trustee Williams in the queue. Yes, thank you, President Dabla. And I really appreciated um, your question about the scaling up piece. And then also just, um, I know for, in budget committee, we mentioned that the, the hold harmless is actually expiring 2526. Is that still in place? Um, yeah, yes, it is. And, and fundamentally speaking, if the budget continues as it has, as our state of hold harmless. Um, with the current language, um, without any additional cost increase or without any additional increases um, based upon COLA, whatever our budget would be at that particular year would be our budget based upon the language. Because right now we're at hold harm, we're in a hold harmless cycle where we get the benefit of the higher number and not the lower number. Um, that essentially would be our base. So the only thing that for us, as we think about it from year to year, the only increases which we could expect would be from any changes to the SCIF formula or any increases to COLA. And wherever we are at that point, then that essentially would be where we would be. Um, that language, however, is still being drafted. While it's been approved in concept at the state level, we did have a uh, budget statewide budget meeting today. Um, there was discussion about, yes, that is, um, that was signed. There's still, the devil is still in the details and they're still crafting out what those details would be. Thank you. So it seems like it's in flux, whether the fiscal cliff that we anticipated in that fiscal year is gonna happen. Is that what you're? Well, I, I would think it, it's, it's simply as to which level we would, at this point, we would, we get the higher, of our A, B, and C amounts, um, we probably would stay at that amount. But at this point, I would be optimistic that whatever our budget would be at 2024-25, if there are any increases to the current budget, then that's what our budget would be for 25-26. But it still would, I'd, again, until I get more definitive language that that's what it would be, I'm optimistically believing that that's what it would be. Yeah. It wouldn't be lower. Well, back to President Davila's point about the scaling up piece. I mean, just you just had that enrollment management conversation, and it's sort of making me think about this this connection, right? With just looking here at the budget and just, um, yeah, it just really made me think what President Davila said about just really wanting to make sure as we're implementing these changes, like how is each, um, you know, each side kind of communicating and being mm -hmm. able to minimize the impacts because I can see. We have a lot of, uh, we're really ambitious. We're doing a lot. Um, there's a lot of different barriers that we're, you know, experiencing. I just don't want us to hit a wall in terms of our capacity, mm -hmm. you know, as well. But I'm um, just really appreciate, appreciate you, um, Vice Chancellor Alameen. And um, yeah, looking forward to hearing more about the, the, the hold harmless. No, no worries. Thank you. So, so Trustee Davila, were there any other questions regarding our preliminary report for 2122 um i don't have one but i think um trustee selby does okay thank you very much and it's actually not a question it's just <clears throat> a statement i am i'm thrilled 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 to see uh that our expenses are lower than our revenue 
Um, and that is not a site that we have necessarily seen. And it does include, if I'm not mistaken, the additional funds that we hope to put in reserves so that we do uh, get over 5%. I'm not exactly sure uh, what we are in total in our reserves. And I wondered if you can answer that question at this point. Our current reserves are $8,193 and or $193,853. That's what we have set aside as our 5% reserve. You'll see it. I can't see which column it's in, but it is right there in the center of your screen. There that is. is our current that is our current 5% reserve that we have set aside to meet the board mandate and our board and be consistent with our board policy. So, so what happened? Do we not have 4.5 million last year in our reserves? 4.5 million last year. Um, yeah. That was. I, I guess what I thought in my own mind is that it gets added together, not that it gets replaced by the 8.1 million. The reserve that I believe that you're referring to is our cash balance. This yeah. is the specific reserve. The cash balance and the reserve are two different. They're two different items. I see. So, so the, the, cat, the actual reserve. Right. It's like the savings and it's in a different category than whatever our cash balance of that month might be. Is that what you're saying? Yes. The reserve is a totally separate, different account. The cash is the ongoing, is the ongoing amount which we have available, which is not necessarily associated with the reserve, but it gets when we do our end of the year report, it gets the reserve gets rolled into our cash balance or the cash the cash balance gets rolled into the reserve. Right, so, that's what I thought. So I thought that the do we have a cash balance last year or no? The cash balance last year, I don't have last year's report in front of me. Um, and offhand, I don't recall and remember what it was. Okay, but again, so you have 8.193, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is our reserve this year. That's what you put aside. That's what you put in savings, more or less. That's what I think of it as, as savings, right? It's in a different pot, $8.1 million. You put it in this different pot. We don't touch it. It's our reserves. It's our savings. Did we not have anything in that pot before, or that's the total amount of that pot right now? Okay. Um, Grace, can you scroll over to your, go over to your left up top? Let me take a look and see if we, I believe we did not include it. Actually, we did. Okay. The $7 million that you see is the cash that we began this year. That was from the end of year adjustments and the transfer in of the HERF. So technically, we did not have any cash balance when we ended the last fiscal year. After we did the year and adjustments and the transfers of the HERF, this is the beginning balance that we had available. This is kept separate and distinct from the reserve, which is the $8.1 million that we keep separate to meet the requirements of Title V, because if you merge it with the cash and we have to use it in any given period of time, we would then or potentially could not have a 5% reserve in the event of an emergency. The cash allows us to deal with our daily operating needs. The reserve, So it's a separate reserve or separate cash or savings account, if you will, that we label as a reserve, we set it aside, we don't touch it, except in the event of an emergency. And then yeah, we have to bring so it forward to the board. And so last year we had no reserves. Correct. Okay. 
This is why, in part, why we we have, we have we we just barely make our required five percent this year. Is what you're saying? No, that's not. We ended last year under five percent because we made the adjustment. We had cash that's available that's counted and included as the reserve. The cash and reserve at the end of the year, all your cash balances come together and it's considered a reserve. It's considered a, a cash account. We and ended that would be the 7.3 million. That would be the 7.3 million, which was roughly about the four and a half percent. It did not, but went before we did that transaction, there was no cash reserve. And in fact, we had a discussion at length as to what was previously reported as a reserve, which was correct, but there was no cash reserve. The two were mixed. <laughs> Got it. So we okay. separated it out and we are continuing to keep them separate to eliminate the confusion. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for, for I did not know that. Thank you for explaining that. My question is, is I think we are all aware that 5% is probably not enough. $30 million, maybe a tad more than we can reach certainly in a year. Do we have any kind of, and this may be a question for the chancellor or for the trustees, do we have any kind of a goal to reach higher than 5%, you know, for this year because, uh, or next year? We have that 5% this year. What are we hoping to reach for next year? Because I'm assuming, and this was Bridget and, sorry, uh, Trustee, uh, President Davila and Trustee Williams' question, we do have to ramp up, theoretically, our reserves. So do we have an idea of what we might be able to do in the subsequent year to get to higher than 5%? Because for some reason, I was under the impression we were higher than 5%. Well, I, I think that's what's um, definitely going around, but um, yeah. I, I was going to ask the chancellor if you could fill us in on that. Uh, thank you. And just to provide some context, and I'll ask uh, Dr. Alameen to uh, vet the, the numbers to make sure I'm on the right track. But uh, to respond directly to the question, we did start the year after the HERC transfers with $7.3 in cash reserves. We are projecting and have set aside that additional 8 million that the board budgeted for this year, which makes a total projected cash reserves of about $15 million, which would land us right around 8%, depending on what our total expenditures are. So we are tracking and projecting uh, to be above 5%, potentially in the 8% range at year end once the books are closed. Thank you. Okay, um, I think that's what we're concerned about because it's a lot to ramp up to. So if we we're doing it, um, um, you know, a small amount at a time per month or whatever, so that we don't disrupt anything. Okay. I think that's what we're, our concern is. And if I may, President Davila, just a bit more context, the board policy uh, does call for five to 9%. So even with the uh, increase to potentially around 8%. We are within the board policy as it's written today. Great. Um, the board policy is one thing. I just want to make sure that we don't disrupt things by all of a sudden having to dump a bunch of money into the reserve. And do we have to dump a bunch of money into the reserve? Do we have to do it immediately or is it done over two years or, you know, how is this? And maybe you can explain that, Chancellor. 
yes, President Alvin, I think that would be a, a campus-wide discussion and something we would want to put together a, a multi-year plan for. Uh, so the, the reserve language or what we're seeing now in respects to the change of reserve mandates uh, is shifting towards the two months, as Dr. Alameen uh, mentioned. Uh, the way it's written is that it requires the board policy to be updated, uh, and we would have to put a plan to incrementally get to that percentage in the future if that's the direction of, of the board and the college. So it would not have to be done in any one given year. Uh, but I do believe we would have to put together a plan and show progress uh, if that's the direction we decide to go as an institution. Okay. And um, another question I have, and I'm looking now at um, our retirement. I know that we actually offered um, pretty generous SERPs a few years ago, and that was to that was in order to go into a different pot to provide those retirement funds instead of taking it out of the operating expenses. And then, um, and then by attrition, our budget problems would be resolved in light if our, of our decreasing enrollment. That didn't happen, but we do have a retirement fund. Now, do we pay into that all the time or what do, how do we, how do we deal with this? Because it is one of our pots, if you will. Um, there is a retirement account trust fund um, that we will are planning to pay into again next year. Um, we are on a, a pay as you go, so we pay annual. We pay the annual costs um, for both the active and the current retirees, and that does come out of our operating costs. Um, and some of the costs that are included in our 5,000 series. So those costs were included within this past budget. Okay, and those need to be paid every year? Yes. Okay, and then and how do we pay them? We Do we put them in monthly or do we? They're, they are monthly journal transactions that um, we send checks to the city and county of San Francisco each and every month. Okay. They're a routine operating expense for us. Okay. Um, let me see if there's any other trustees. Okay, good. I get to hog the floor then. Um, but I think I'm done here. Okay. Excuse me, President Davila. Yes. We do have public comment on this. Okay, element. great. Let's have some public comment. All right. Abigail Bornstein. Thank you. So I want to know where the $3 million transfer in of her funds went that appears in July. And then we removed just now, like in this last month, we removed it from December. So could you please explain where the money is? And also, please have a full accounting of all PERF and COVID funds presented at the next board budget and audit committee meeting. Um, I want to point out that we budgeted revenue of $186 million and a similar $186 million expense. We came in three million less in expense, so that's that's cash that we have here. Because we forced eight million into reserves plus three million unexpected cash, we are up almost 12 million. That doesn't include the seven million starting balance. That puts our reserves just under $20 million. So whether you call it cash or reserves, that's how much extra we have. So to get those reserves, faculty gave up 13 million, while classified show. 200,000 less coming from the 3,000 account year over year. 
13 million versus 200,000. When you look at the growth of those reserves, remember that faculty gave up 13 million. Some of that was free labor and also, you know, non-competitive wages of full-time faculty while stocking away those reserves. 13 million, that's how much we took out of the classroom. Let me just say that again, 13 million, that's how much we took out of the classroom. We're becoming more and more about support and less and less about teaching. We have become a school that is less and less about teaching. The numbers tell us that. Thank you. That concludes public comment for this item. Okay, does anybody else have any other questions? All right, then let's move on to the next agenda item. Get out of my spreadsheet here and back into board docs. Okay, so next we have, um, do we need to vote on the adoption of the budget? Um, no, That's the draft, right? No, this is just a draft that we've brought forth for your review if we, as we go through the various iterations and updates um, that we're getting from the state and from other um, actions that are transpiring uh, on campus um, through bargaining. Um, let me, if I can please pull this up, Grace. Um, it's what we wanted you to take a look currently at what we have so that um, we are going to get input from our campus community um, and any input that you may have as we finalize this for your meeting on the 8th. And can everyone see this nice, beautiful picture that yeah. says 2022-23 adoption budget? I'll blow yes. it up just a little bit. Okay. This um, is not in the agenda, right? Is is a copy in the agenda. It is. Okay. Um, there were some uh, adjustments which were made, and once we make sure that this is um, compatible for ADA access, um, we will post it and make it available in board docs uh, and on our website. Okay. Um, as I noted, this is a a draft um, that is being reiterated based upon new information. Um, there was a state budget workshop this morning. There's some new information that my staff and I will be going over uh, on Monday so that we can make some additional changes and updates. But what we wanted to do is just have this for you to peruse, um, give feedback in terms of some of the items. I know there've been a couple things that um, the chancellor and some others brought forth in terms of inclusions for both uh, program review, aid. Um, some of the, these things are included within the current budget. Um, we went, as we put this together, we wanted to focus both on the vision and the mission of the district and the college um, as we crafted this plan to make sure that we were consistent with meeting both of those objectives. Um, we used several criteria uh, to make sure that we met the goals and objectives which you've established and those of the chancellor um, looked at, make sure that we were not only um, supporting our programs and, and student services, um, making sure that our technology is current, um, as well as we make sure that we had sufficient reserves. Um, we had some general assumptions that the budget will be balanced. Um, we took into consideration we're still on stability funding and that we'll maintain at least a 5% reserve. 
Some of our general uh, revenue assumptions were that we included a 6.56 cost of living adjustment. There is an increase to the SCIF base funding model um, that was provided today. We will be making some of those adjustments and changes uh, next week. Um, we also, above our fiscal 22 estimate, um, there's an increase of $14 million. This is based upon our current uh, sales tax revenue. Um, so there's technically no change between what we received um, last year and what we anticipate for this year. We did not include an increase um, as things are still in flux. But um, this for us was the difference between um, why we did not do the $3 million HERF transfer, because in part that was based upon us having a loss of sales tax revenue, and that did materialize this year. So that basically kept our the average amount that we took this the amount we took in this year was basically on par with our average amount which we used to base um our lost revenue uh calculation so it wasn't applicable this year that's why it was not included in the budget uh the year in the budget for last year wait are, um, yes are you saying that sales tax is up now and so we didn't have to use the herb funds for that that's correct um current sales tax numbers uh they did increase. So we made the adjustment in both our local revenue and made the adjustment from our HERF transfer. Okay. That's correct. Um, we also, sorry. These are the uh, assumptions that we've included in this year's budget that we will have provided funding for program review to support those efforts this year. Um, we also are going to fund uh, improvements for the district registration system. That's fun all. Uh, that's all it's it, going to take is one million. It's it may not be all it's going to take, but at least that's what we have available now to assist us with some of the program modifications and upgrades. Um, if it's more, then we'll need to look at how we can fund it from other sources. Um, but at this point, this is a placeholder, and this is what's included in this year's was proposed for the twenty two twenty three budget. Okay. We, Do you we want also, us to ask questions as you go through? Or yes, it's, okay. it, it's, so I, I it's see, your will and pleasure. I see Trustee Williams has her hand up also. Okay. Yeah. Um, thank you, Vice Chancellor Alamein, and thank sure. you for this um, this document. I I thought there was funding in the bond for improvements to our registration system. I don't know if I keep asking the same question, but um, yeah, I don't know, Ch uh, Chancellor Martin, if you want to answer that question in terms of the bond funding. Because I remember specifically us putting funding for major upgrades mm -hmm. to the registration center. And I know uh, yes, uh, Trista Williams, if I uh, believe I understand the question correctly, is that there is a language in the bond fund for uh, technology infrastructure, uh, which is typically the hardware and the wiring of our technology uh, throughout our campus. Uh, the registration system in many ways is a software uh, so ultimately, we would need to double check with our council to make sure a software uh, would be eligible because it's not uh, essentially a hardware or an infrastructure technology item. But that's something we can follow up on. Yeah, I just want us to follow up on that. And because mm -hmm. I, I just feel like we have put a lot of funding into the, whether it be banner and our registration system, and it seems like we're always having to do these major upgrades. So if we can pull from the bond, there's so much resource there, I would, you know, we don't want to lose that from our unrestricted. No, no worries. We'll take a look and we'll follow up on it. Um, yeah. So we'll get back to the board on this. Okay, um, we've, so on the next um, 
in the September meeting, maybe we can hear about that. Okay. Um, be great. No worries. Um, we also have funding included for professional development, um, which includes conference travel. Um, we had a minor increase for campus utilities, funding for our commencement. Um, we do have district-wide elections in November, and we have funding set aside for both deferred maintenance uh, as well as our tech refresh for equipment and programming. And we also, from the current cash balance, are planning as an unallocated amount, uh, one interfund transfer of 1%, which would at least have us with funding to support new or unforeseen programs and initiatives. Um, so this will be something that we're planning to include in next year in this year's budget. Um, student Trustee Malinali, I see your hand raised. Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, can you can you mention on on this current uh, expenditure assumption? Can you mention what the funding for technology refresh entails? We have a tech plan that includes the replacement of not only our servers, um, computers, anything related to campus technology, it's included within this. We have a lot of outdated equipment. There's a lot of outdated and overworked uh, items, whether it's classroom equipment for which lottery or some other funds can't be used. There are a lot of unforeseen needs within technology. We're trying to make sure that we have sufficient funding to support any of those items and their replacement and keep us consistent with a five-year replacement plan of equipment for all staff and faculty. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I guess, uh, are these funds also to purchase the hotspots that have been available for students? If this is included within the technology plan, it would include technology to support students as well including student computer labs. Okay, uh, so two, uh, I guess two two points. Um, I, I recently received an email from, uh, I guess the library in, in regards to the hotspots. Uh, the hotspot devices not being enough uh, amount of hotspots for students. So they're asking students in the email that was blasted uh, I'm a recipient of the hotspot. If uh, if they're not using their hotspot enough to make sure to bring it back to the library so they could issue reissue it to other students in need. Um, and I wanted to see where that would fit in to be able to buy more hotspots uh, because that, that's a little troublesome. Uh, I'm at the point to returning my hotspot if it's gonna help another student uh, with their uh, digital uh, equipment. The letter wasn't issued from my department, so I can't comment on the nature of why it was sent or who sent it, but I can follow up with our uh, chief uh, technology officer and see where we are with the purchase of different devices and see what we can do to provide more support um, because there is funding available for it. The question is, has a request or requisition been put in to purchase it? So let me follow up with our AVC raise and see what, if I can have an answer for you by the time we meet in September. Thank you. Okay. Fantastic. Okay, right. Trustee Chisty. Thank you. Um, yes, I wanted to also raise that same point around our 
um, technology discussion around hotspots. Mm -hmm. I've also heard a similar sentiment from students um, in not being able to um, access the hotspot because the wait list is so long. So um, I don't know if that budget amount has to be revisited or explored in order to accommodate for additional hotspots for students. Um, and the other thing um, with the registration system that also, I mean, I feel like we've been in conversation for some time about an overhaul of our registration system. And I think, you know, hopefully we can start putting a date to a new and improved registration system. But I think in the meantime, um, I believe in the past there was um, like a triage system or like a helpline or something of that sort. And I don't know if that's been considered or allocated in this amount, um, but um, I'd, I'd like to see if that could be a possibility if there's, um, we, could, we could have someone that's supporting students in the registration process. So um, I don't know if, you know, I, you know, if you could bring that back to stakeholders as we continue to develop the, the, you know, finalize this budget, but I think that's something that's important to consider. And then um, the next thing I wanted to talk about was the student support. Um, and I think that's, uh, yeah, like I, I wanna know, um, like, are, are these an increase from last year in the in the total student support with all the different programs? Like, how do we know, like, these are all great, you know, I see the allocations, but like, for example, I see for Umoja, it's 1 million ongoing and 179 one time. So I'm not sure what that means exactly. Is that all for the Umoja program? These numbers in the governor's budget are the are the funds that were allocated out for all of these programs. Each of our specific programs may be entitled to a piece or portion of this. It still remains how they wish to allocate it. These are the statewide allocations. These are not specifically for City College of San Francisco. So, in the, and it all depends on what program language they come up with to determine how this will be allocated, whether it will be on an FTS basis a uh, financial aid basis. It could be a number of different criteria that they use to allocate this funding. But at this point, this still remains to be determined. We should have more information by September as to how right. these funds will be allowable for use on our campuses. And this is in addition to our uh, normal general fund, which some of the other support pieces that I was walking through earlier um, that are reflected there. This is separate. Got it. Um, if, yeah, if I can just kind of echo what I've heard um, is, yeah, I think there's a there's a need for additional support in EOPS. Like I, you know, I, I was at Welcome Day and I heard that sentiment. Um, um, also, there's some concerns. I think in the past in the Student Success and Policy Committee, it came up around Metro. Um, Metro Academy, and I think whether there's enough infrastructure there, or there's a position that's been, been I don't know if it has been filled, but it needs to get filled. Um, and then also what we just heard um, in public comment around VASA and the Tule uh, programs. So I don't know, you know, I want to make sure that we have the infrastructure there, um, which would be through positions. And I think, you know, making sure that we kind of have those line items in place to support our students. 
Okay. Um, those would sound like any of the student, do you see the student special support program? Yeah. This would all be between student success and completion within the equity plans that we've submitted. And if those items are included within the plans, I'm sure my colleague over in student services is making sure that those plans are implemented, has been approved. And if those are um, needs that have been established within those approved plans and there's funding available, then that's something that we can implement. So I can work with Vice Chancellor Cooper Wilkins to follow up on some of uh, some of the uh, complaints or the needs or concerns that have been voiced to you. Um, I'm not sure whether or not they that these increases will be able or be sufficient to meet those, depending upon the criteria of allocation. But we're going to do our best that we can accommodate the plan and the student needs. Great. I mean, I think I was trying, I was going through it line by line and I, I saw, I think there's like a one position that was, I think it was titled undocumented liaisons. Um, and I don't, I don't know if we're able to find it, but I was kind of trying to understand whether that is considered or not in the existing document. And it seemed like, like there wasn't an increase in amount there. Uh, okay. So yeah. So I think that's just something I'd like uh, additional focus for. Thank you. Okay. Um, so th there is a, is, the state did provide a, a roughly close to $2 billion, over $2 billion for a variety of different things. A majority of it is for one-time institutional and student support. So we'll be working with the information we received today to go through and see the impact to City College. And we'll make sure that we have that uh, inserted as part of our September 8th report. Um, just want to just go through, we just wanted to highlight um, one, we're changing a little format, just a little bit to share, um, to give the board a perspective of where we are and, and where the majority of our funds come in. As you can see, the majority of our 298 million are both our general restricted funds, which include categoricals. You can see the percentage change from the prior year in the far right column. Um, Oh, come on. Not, there we go. Um, we also have a picture of our expenditures and how these also, as you can see, have also increased for this fiscal year compared to last year. Um, our total expenditures uh, are roughly $292 million overall, still well beneath uh, where we are with our anticipated revenue, which again, um, is a good positive item. Um, Vice Chancellor, can I ask you a quick question sure. about the, the one line that is showing a negative 43.8% student financial aid? You were just there. Mm -hmm. This item is in relationship to the HERF. We had a lot of funding that was provided by the federal government prior year for student aid. It's gone. So, so in 1920, did you also receive her funding? Um, there was, I don't know specifically what the increase was in this year, but the majority yeah. of the her funds that we received came in in 2021. There mm -hmm. might have been some initially that came in in 1920, given that we went back to March and we probably had some minor expenditures there, but the majority came in 2021 and there was an additional increase. If you remember, there were two allocations yeah. that happened in 21-22. And yeah. then basically we're kind of back to, if you will, I won't say back to normal, but this yeah. is, this is a threshold from which we're currently looking at financial aid for the year. So if we looked at 18, 19, we would see something similar, like 16, 17 million. Um, possibly, but we only, 
we look at past year, current year, uh, actual and future year. We can go back and take a look, but this is essentially, essentially the big on flux is because of HERF. That's what we're comfortable with, so Sean. I just want to make sure that student financial aid isn't going way down next year. Okay. Understood. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's not. The, stu the students, it's not that students are receiving it, uh, what looks like $14 million less dollars. It's not that students are receiving less dollars. The students received $14 million more in the prior year because of the allocations that came from HERF the student direct dollars that we received from the federal government to pass out as grants. We're not receiving that in this fiscal year. That's so the difference. I, I guess I wondered, will this be a problem for students if they are receiving a lot less money than they did last year? Well, keep in mind that the HER funds were provided as pandemic relief and we are operating as we no longer are in the pandemic. We're doing a return to normal. And those monies all went to students? They were provided as part of, of student grants, yes. Okay. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, we went through to provide uh, additionally a uh, breakdown of our faculty classified and administrative salaries. Um, so Can as you- Can you um, hold on one minute? I just want sure. to make sure that trustee Chisty, is, is your hand still up or did you have another question? I, I did, thank you, President Davila. Uh, um, I, I, just a quick question um, related to Chair Selby's point because I also had a note around the federal financial aid. Um, so that so we, that's explained by HERF, but is, could we also make the assumption that there's a, small, um, a smaller percentage of students that are perhaps applying for FAFSA and therefore we're are receiving less federal aid. Is that conflated in here? Right, because I would imagine that students that apply for FAFSA, like they would get Pell Grant or those other mm -hmm. things, right? So could that be a factor? Um, it could be, but we don't have that information to share with you this evening. I can get, I can circle back with financial aid and student services to reconcile what they have as their anticipated aid. But according to the numbers that we have based upon um, the current amounts that are available for federal aid, this is what we're currently showing. Okay. Yeah, I think I just want to be careful that, you know, if students are leaving a lot of federal dollars on the table, that could be a bigger issue too. So um, yeah, if you could provide the details for that. Thank you. Okay, and um, I do see student trustee Villalobos. Yes, uh, thank you, President Davila. And and just another question as far as uh, the financial aid uh, dialogue. Are we, how are we notifying students or what are the outreach efforts to notify students that their package, their financial aid award package has, will change for this new academic year? Uh, 14 million drastically will change? Or how will, are we notifying students? Um, because even though we might be focusing on return to campus, uh, it, it's still the same struggle for a lot of students. Uh, and, and this is, this is uh, yeah, so, so that's the question. I don't, Dr. Cooper Wilkins, 
Would you like to expound on the financial aid packaging practice? Because that is not my area no, of responsibility. I would, yeah, I would want to get more information from, just for, immediately from our okay. dean of uh, financial aid and special programs, because it is a little complicated yeah. to talk about packaging for students. Um, it's really nuanced based on it seems like this is something that a lot of trustees are hungry to find out. So maybe on, in September, yeah, a whole presentation on that. That would be great. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no worries. So basically, we just wanted to make sure that we you got a full picture of where our budgeted resources are being applied. Um, we have a breakdown both of our faculty classified and administrators, as well as our operating expenditures. Um, we wanted to make sure that this was very descriptive. Um, we still have some verification of some numbers that don't necessarily, while we're, we know that those currently are the numbers, we just want to revalidate them. Um, we have our parcel tax included, um, unrestricted general fund revenue report, so we have it in a little bit different ways where we've broken. Um, we have all funds, unrestricted funds. Um, we have funds by organization, um, which goes according also by instructional programs, um, student services, so that you can see actually where the differences are between programs from one year to the next um, to see where changes have been made. Um, we wanted this to be very inclusive so wanted to make sure that you were able to take a look at it as we prepare for september 8th um it's roughly trying to keep this under 100 pages right now it's about a 60 page document but there's a lot of information um we would be here for about another hour if i went through each and every page but i want to make sure we'll have this posted you do have the draft in your uh you do have the draft available online uh, and in your packets so if there are any other questions or concerns uh i think be you'll be getting do. um a lot of them next month and maybe um well if you can email them to yes. me before the meeting yes. i was just that gonna would ask be helpful that. yeah okay all right um it looks like trustee selby has her hand up thank yes, you so trustee selby. This, is just, this is thank you so much this is just a question i asked the chancellor and i um love all this detail and I really appreciate how you've laid it out. I think it's really wonderful. And I know this is going to add a few pages, but I wonder if you can also lay it out the way you do um, where it shows the um, the various categories numbered for especially things like full-time, part-time, uh, salary, faculty, classified, all that kind of stuff. Um, kind of the way we see it in the budget, but maybe a little more extended. Do you know what I mean? There's a way that you do it that gives us all the detail and maybe one or two pages. And it's less about the revenue and more about the expenditures. So we can take a look and see what it was last year, what we're projecting it to be this year, what the difference is, line by line. That's that this possible? year. That's this year. Not exactly, I don't think, because what what I'm looking for, it might maybe adapt it. Um, this is it. This is the summary version. 
So I think what um, ABC Alamin is saying is look through it, comb through it, and then uh, send him your questions so that we can have a more robust conversation now that you've seen the draft. So, so the difference is, um, BC Alamin, is there numbers next to it that say what categories they're in? The instructors are all of our 1,100 instructors, all our full-time faculty. Instructors exactly. hourly, these are our part-time faculty. Non-instructional regular are all of our categories counselors and other non yeah how do i compare it to the budget that we look at every month like is there a way i can compare the budget to this the the preliminary line is the total mm -hmm. sum of all expenditures during the past fiscal year and the adoption budget line is our anticipated expenditures for next fiscal year in so order for you to do the comparison Got it. So that 14.1 instructors hourly, that would compare to, to what on the budget? The 14.1 for the budget year is compared to what we estimated we spent in this past fiscal year, which is roughly 14.1 million. So right. it, actually the budget for next year increased by less, less than a half, almost less than a half a percent. Yeah, no, I, what I was just trying to figure out is how do I match up instructors hourly to something on the budget? Is there, a, is it, is it called instructors hourly on the budget? On the, on the budget that you show us every month? Is it called the same thing? Yes, it is. Okay. I'll work on it. Okay. All right. Uh, any so more questions? Okay. All right. Oh, we have, wait, but spoke too soon. Trustee Christy. <laughs> Just a quick question. So does the budget have to be approved by September 8th? Is that the final date? By law, the budget must be approved by September 15th. There are no exceptions. Ah, September 15th. That's okay. why we're meeting on the 8th. Got it. Okay. Thank you. Okay. And we have um, Trustee Wong. Thank you. I wanted to just kind of voice some of my longer term concerns. So, you know, I think it was shared with us that the state chancellor's office is going to encourage or not only encourage, but really be pushing a new requirement that community colleges have um, two months worth of reserves in our budget. And so, you know, as a longer term longer term thing, we need to start thinking about how how to deal with this impact on our college. And, you know, in, in my it proposed, um, uh, in my proposed, um, you know, budget, um, budget policy, it, that's going through the process right now, it outlines a multi year budget plan. So I think really be looking at how we're planning long term if, if that's a new requirement that that's placed upon us and how do we as a college uh, interact with the state chancellor's office and in in discussing uh, discussing this new proposed uh, policy so that's just something i wanted to flag that i'm i'm very concerned about and in terms of how it 
impact our college and in our, our community and and the the types and, and the classes that we were able to to offer thank you i think we um we had discussed that or at least got into the beginning of it so maybe what you can do is have that as an agenda item for a a future budget meeting. I think that would be a good idea to kind of get into in depth. But we were going to have a report back on that in uh, September about what the implications are. So um, I see Trustee Williams. Yeah, I think Trustee Wong does bring up a good point in terms of our state engagement. Um, I think we are at a place in time to really be brainstorming on that for this year because I know that there's the skiff, there's you know this other issue, the reserve issue. Um, I don't know, Chancellor Martin, if we're still engaging with MGI or who's our state um, lobbyist right now, but I would really like to get engaged in some of those conversations early on about these future challenges. Okay, anybody else? All right, I'm sure there's more here, right? Oh, I see. Uh, Chancellor Martin. Uh, yes, President Dovlin, just a, a bit of additional context regarding the budget is that the budget as it's presented today uh, is under the assumption that our salaries for all of our employee groups remain the same. Uh, we are in a position now uh, where we will potentially have four out of our five uh, labor groups uh, negotiating for salary increases. So I know that that's part of uh, the context and will be a part of the context as we move forward with building and monitoring this budget, as there may be a point in time where we have to adjust uh, the budget for any increases that we negotiate with our uh, labor groups. So that is something that I offer for additional information. Okay. Thank you. Um, anybody else have a comment? Okay, I, I think um, VC Alamin, you still have more, right? No, no, ma'am. Uh, I think the only thing is if is if if there is any public comment. Okay, is there public comment? Yes, there is. Okay. Abigail Bornstein. Thank you. So please take a look at what would be on my document, page fourteen. Since two thousand nineteen to twenty, we've removed twenty million from academic salaries. Classified salaries are down one million. So 20 million versus 1 million. We are becoming more and more about support and facilities and less and less about teaching. The numbers tell us that. So please listen to my second point. Stop, have an emergency special board of trustees meeting on the fiscal year budget. There are absolutely no details on the budget posted for the public. You and the public, don't you need to know or understand how we came up with any of these numbers? There's zero transparency, nothing to the public. We got 44 pages and you're looking at 58 pages. We don't even have the same stuff here. I mean, isn't, I mean, it's like a disregard to the public. In June, we posted the draft budget two hours before the meeting. Now we aren't even giving any details of the accounts, nothing. The last 15 annual budgets have all had the details of the accounts and how much we plan to spend. We're hiding the spending from the public. This is a huge, huge, huge red flag. Spending is being hidden from the public scrutiny. What type of feedback are you getting when you don't show the accounts? Trustees, you have an obligation 
to do something. Stop right now. Call an emergency special meeting on this budget. You have an obligation to the people of San Francisco to do so. And Trustee Selby just asked, can you align this up with the actual budgets that we look at from month to month? And the answer was just this, I don't know what it was. It was like, no, you figure it out. You figure out these numbers. You go figure out all the accounts. I really, you need to stop. We, this is again and again, not getting information to the public. You need to address it immediately. Thank you. Um, okay, I believe we do have a special meeting of the whole scheduled for um, the 8th. So uh, let's see what's the next on our agenda here. Is that all the public comment? That's all the public comment for that item. Okay. So we will move on then. Um, so the action item 11, we've already done. That was the resolution supporting City College's observation of the Lunar New Year holiday. President Davila, I would like to move all of the consent, consent items except for the ones that people would like not to okay. be moved. Second. <laughs> so we have uh, the consent agenda is moved by Trustee Selby and seconded by Trustee Williams. And um, I think now we have, uh, does anybody have ones they want to pull? Uh, I think I saw Trustee, uh, I saw uh, Trustee Villalobos first. Uh, I don't have any, any of them to pull. I was just going to ask to extend the time for our board Oh, meeting. yes, yes. Let's uh, go ahead and do that. Um, Second. Okay. I'll second that. Okay, second how much time? 15 minutes, right, Manny Nani? Uh, I was going to say till we finish our <laughs> board meeting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to estimate here um, that we have <laughs> that we have another no. half hour. No, I think that's fine. I so that. is that about right, another half hour? And sure. we'll go ahead and um, we have a, a motion by Trustee Selby. Did we have a um, second? Motion. The motion is by the student, uh, student trustee. Thank you. Motion by student trustee Villalobos. And were you seconding it, Trustee Selby? Yes. Okay. Do we need a roll call vote for this, Linda? Yes. Okay. Uh, student Trustee Villa Lobos. Aye. President Davila. Yes. Vice President Rizzo. Yes. Trustee Chisty. Aye. Trustee Green. Aye. Trustee Selby. Aye. Trustee Williams. Aye. Trustee Wong. Yes. The motion passes. Okay. So um, the consent agenda has been moved and seconded. I would like to pull um, at least one item for Trustee Chisty. I think you know what that is. So uh, retirements. And um, does anybody else have anything that they want to pull? Pull or just discuss? 
Okay. If I may, President Davila, yes. uh, not necessarily pull uh, item 125, uh, but ask the board to approve item 125 uh, without uh, Tina Wong's uh, name. We are still processing through HR and we'll bring Ms. Wong back next month in September. So we aren't ready for an approval just yet. Okay, so let's amend these minutes to um, pull her name out then. Thank you. Okay, and... Um, Are we still doing the resignations? I'm sorry, President Dawa. What's that? We have the resignations and retirement. I don't know if... Yes, and that's what um, Trustee Chisty oh, was going to read the retirements. Um, but let's go ahead and do that then. Great. Um, so yes, uh, we as the board would like to recognize um, our retirements of everyone that's been serving our college community and I'll also be acknowledging um, resignations um, for folks that have still um, served our college community and um, Chancellor Martin, perhaps maybe moving forward, I could get the phonetic how to sound out some of these names because I feel horrible for not being able to pronounce some of the names correctly. Um, so maybe moving forward, that's something that we can work on um, prior. But so I'll be reading just for first names um, and acknowledging the division along with their years of service. So starting with um, Sophia from uh, the ESL department, 27 years of service. Paul from the architecture department, uh, 43 years of service. Richard, healthcare and technology, 22 years, part-time, five years, full-time, thank you. Um, Yegane um, from engineering and biotechnology, 15 years and six months. Um, we have um, Becky from custodial services, 14 years. Elizabeth, apprenticeship program, 28 years. Siraj Chamad, building and grounds, the years are not listed. Elsie um, from the CH, uh, CHNB Center, academic admin. I don't know what the full acronym for that is, but um, we have Gwen from the financial aid office, um, 25 years, and sorry, Elsie was 36 years. Um, Eriberto, instruction office, 20 years. We We, financial aid office, 21 years and six months. Irina, mathematics, 22 years. Cynthia, custodial services, 27 years. Um, thank you so much for your service and um, to our college community. Now moving to our resignations. We have um, Laura who served uh, biological sciences, 17 years. Um, Il, Ildiko, dental assisting, 10 years and five months. Amy, art division, five years. Gretchen, ESL, six years and six months. Jenny, nursing RN division, that was two years and six months. Oh no, I clicked the wrong thing. Sorry, one second. <laughs> um, sorry. Um, John um, from EOPS, five years. Uh, Michelle from the English division, 15 years. Um, there's also um, Ilona uh, uh, McGriff from Grants and Resource Development, seven years and two months. And there's also Jonathan um, from the Strong Workforce Program under classified resignations for eight years. Alexander, um, English, five years. Zane, English, six years. Carol, Evans Center, Academic Admin, five years. Pepper, DSPS, three years. 
Tuf Schindelger, Biological Sciences, 12 years, Tyler, Facilities Planning, one year, Yu Zhen, Strong Workforce Program, three years and three months. I think I got everyone. Um, we just want to thank everyone again on behalf of the board for serving our students and the greater San Francisco community. And I apologize in advance for mispronouncing names. So thank you. Thank you so much. You do that so well, Alia. Um, okay, so um, I guess we're going to have a roll call vote. Now, is there any public comment on this? There is public comment on um, item 119. Okay. Uh, Abigail Bornstein. Thank you. So this item is about the budget best practices pro process. And so, um, I mean, at what point in the process do you have to actually disclose um, to the public? Um, because the idea that we're gonna produce anywhere from an 80 to 100 page document, and for the first time, we're actually gonna see it at a special meeting on the day that you're supposed to vote on the finalized budget. I don't think that we need someone to pay them $50,000 to tell us that that's not a best practice in the process of budgeting. And the fact that you just sort of let this go, I cannot believe we keep not disclosing the public. And you're like, what's the public comment? Well, if you don't disclose, you're not gonna get proper public comments. And you have an obligation as a trustee to make sure the public understands how the taxes and all the local funds are going to be spent. You have that obligation before you approve a final budget. And so when you look at the best practices, I mean. Uh, I hope they're gonna look at when do we actually start connecting FTS to the actual budget? When do we actually address competitive wages in the process? When is that a, I think that's a best practice to actually have competitive wages within the budget. And what info is required within the budget? Because all we're seeing right now from the public is just a line item that says academic salaries, this amount. There's nothing None of the account numbers, not the 1,000 broke down, 2,000 broke down, three, four, five, six, seven, nothing was given to the public. And you're like, oh, well, you'll see that when it gets created on the you know, 8th of September, when we're just going to go finalize the budget. We'll talk a little bit, but we're just going to finalize that budget. You did not, we didn't get it in June, and now we're not getting it again in August. And this is again and again and again. So it needs to be addressed. Special meeting right now, call it. Special meeting, show this stuff, get the proper feedback from public. That concludes public comment for this item. Okay, where were we? Let's see, do we have a, um, we have a consent? Yes, President Davila, um, I trustee Selby moved and I seconded. Okay, interview. all right. Uh, student. Trustee Villalobos, your advisory vote? Aye. President Davila? Aye. Vice President Russo? Yes. Trustee Chisti? Aye. Trustee Green? Aye. Trustee Selby? Aye. Trustee Williams? Aye. Trustee Wong? Yes. The motion passes. Okay. Now we have, um, I think we're at board policies now? Yes. Okay. 
And um, is Kristen here? Uh, yes, President Davalon, if I may give her uh, some time to join us in the panel. Uh, but we are bringing back for a second read, Board Policy 1.0, the District Mission and Vision Statement Review. And I'll pass it off now to uh, ABC Charles for some additional context. Okay. Thank you. I appreciated that transition time. <laughs> so we did discuss this during your, during your July retreat. Um, as noted in the explanation and analysis um, for this uh, board item, we had modified the administrative procedures uh, associated with this board policy 1.00. And in doing so, we determined that we needed to delete the sentence that you see um, stricken before you um, because it conflicts with the modification of the administrative procedures and it's not actually part of the mission and thus does not alter the substance of the mission. Um, reviewing the actual mission as we talked about during the retreat is, is a whole process that we do plan to launch in the coming year. Okay. Okay. Um, any questions? This one actually looks pretty easy. I will move approval. Okay. Do we have a second? We have Trustee Rizzo moving and second. Uh, Trustee Chisty seconding. Okay. Um, Linda, do you want to do a roll call? Yes. Student Trustee Villa Lobos, advisory vote. Aye. President Davila? Yes. Vice President Russo? Aye. Trustee Chisty? Aye. Trustee Green? Aye. Trustee Selby? Aye. Trustee Williams? Aye. Trustee Wong? Yes. The motion passes. Okay. Thank you. Great. Um, oh, looks like we didn't even need that half hour. Okay, so here we are now with uh, trustee reports. And um, does anybody have any questions before we move forward? Okay, um, <clears throat> my report is going to be pretty short. This is my first week of classes. And so my I salute all the faculty out there and the students in their classes. Um, I just wanted to say that in on August 5th, we had a very successful showcase for the Mission Campus. Uh, trustee, uh, student Trustee Villalobos was there. We had uh, the consulates from Guatemala, from Mexico, um, and I think Peru also, I'm not sure about that. We also had our state senator, uh, Scott Weiner there uh, helping to launch the new direction for the mission campus, which is really the old direction for the mission campus. So we're expanding a lot of the services, we're bringing the programs back, and we're already getting an increase in students. So um, it was a very successful launch. We're hoping to replicate that at the other centers as well. And that's my report. Uh, Trustee Rizzo? Uh, no, I don't have anything. Okay. Trustee Chisty? Yes, I have a few things. Um, just wanted to welcome um, everyone to um, our new academic year. I'm very excited. Um, I was on campus earlier today um, and I was hoping to catch the Associated Students event that took place yesterday, but I showed up today. 
Um, but it was just amazing to see students on campus and just walking around and um, there was a lot of great energy there. So um, I'm really, really excited. Um, I also held, resumed my office hours um, this week and had quite a few students um, come and speak to me. So I'll probably be continuing that on a monthly basis, but it was wonderful to hear from students. Um, and um, I actually, I think the other, I, I don't know if this fits better into item 18, um, but I do agree with some of the public comment around um, our discussion around the budget. And that's why I was asking for the date. Um, I, I was initially hoping to have some type of study session where we could kind of really delve into the budget. I would like to spend more time understanding it and going through it um, before we vote on it. And I don't, um, so I, I don't know if, you know, if it's, I don't know if there's interest from other board members, but I would like to have a study session. Um, and I don't know if that means like September 8th could be that. And then we vote, we have a special on September 15th or something close to that date. Um, so I'm putting that out there. I, I do think that we need to spend more time. I would like to spend more time understanding the budget. I was um, thinking the same thing uh, actually. So why don't we put that as the eighth, um, an intensive study session, and then we can vote on the 15th. Is there a problem with that, Chancellor? Is there a problem with us voting on the 15th? Uh, at this point, uh, absolutely not. We would just need to coordinate schedules and find a time on the 15th where we could hold a special meeting of the trustees. Okay. We can Thank do you. that. Great. Thank you. Then let's work with um, Trustee Wong and with uh, VC Alamine and the Chancellor uh, to make sure that these issues are addressed. And there is also a question about some things being in our draft and not in the other draft, so we can make sure that all the drafts are the same for the eighth. And the other thing that I would like us to consider is timing too. So uh, when we hold the meeting, um, to make sure that it's accessible for the public too. So I don't know if I don't know what time the budget and audit committee meets, um, but maybe exploring another possible time as well. So just putting that out there. Thank you. Okay, um, Trustee Green. Um, I will just say very briefly that I I really appreciate the hard work that the administrators, faculty, and staff put in at City College of San Francisco. It's recognized. I also want to acknowledge um, the public comment. Um, some of the things that that I've heard um, are very powerful, and I think that. Um, just in my opinion, what I'm hearing a lot of times from the public as compared to uh, the employees is a disconnect in communication. And so I want us all, it's my hope that we all work on making sure that we are hearing the same things and understands, understanding the same things to the best of our ability. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Uh, Trustee Selby. Yes, thank you. Um, I too uh, appreciate the public comment. And uh, I also appreciate that what I asked for is being validated, that we should be seeing the accounts, we should be seeing all of the accounts, not just a 
just a summary. And um, I, I wanna thank specifically Abigail Bornstein for calling that out and for validating that request on my part. Um, and I wanna add one other thing to uh, what Trustee Chisty had asked and what I think President Zavila has now said is good is, can we get the budget a few days prior to uh, our study session? And by us, I mean all of us, um, meaning the public as well as everybody else, because it is true that when you are when you are flung, uh, uh, you know, sixty pages worth of numbers, most of us um, have a hard time kind of deciphering everything. Whereas if you give us a few days in advance, uh, I think that would be tremendously helpful. So I would ask. President Davila, if you're willing, and, and Chair Wong, if you're willing, uh, for us to try and get a copy of whatever it is we're going to be seeing on the 8th, a few days in advance so that we can all really review it and have our questions ready, potentially even send our questions to Vice Chancellor um, Alameen so he can be prepared to respond to them. Um, and as for, my, I just have a very quick update. I just am, as usual, blown away. I don't remember the adjective that was used for Amy Coffey, I want to say inimitable. Uh, Amy Coffey has just done an amazing job uh, as the, the student advisor in our transit team uh, group, which we're going to have to change the time of because it's the same time as the PGC meetings, and she's doing her best to, to make those shifts. Uh, we have huge wins this week. Um, the AB 1919, which is the bill that would make transit free for all students across California, passed the, the assembly, the Senate, and um, concurrence, which is when the assembly and the Senate have to come together and make the bill the same. So it is going in front, as uh, Student Chancellor Grant mentioned, um, uh, for signature at uh, Governor Newsom's. And I would love us all to write a letter encouraging Newsom to sign it. This is the best possible chance we have. Uh, it's been tried twice in the past and failed. This is our best possible chance of getting this bill to pass. I would also like to request, as I've requested uh, of, of our wonderful student leaders, uh, that you write to Phil Ting and you ask him to, um, to put the trailer bill in. And the trailer bill, I'm learning all this as I go, is the actual money the money so that AB19 is funded so that it will happen this year. So this is my ask of anybody who's listening at this time of night is if you can send a quick note to Assembly Member Ting, who is the budget chair, asking him to please um, the budget trailer bill and then also uh, give, give uh, Governor Newsom our love and tell him that we would really love him to sign 801919. And I cannot tell you how amazing our student leaders are. Um, they have been doing a, a fantastic job of keeping up with this stuff, which is moving at the speed of light and writing letters and calling other people and uh, et cetera. So um, anything we can all do to help. And if anybody wants to see the template, just give me a holler and I'll, I'll send it your way. Um, so cross your fingers. Thank, thanks, everybody. Thank you. Um, Trustee Williams? Yeah, thank you, President Dahl. I'll make it quick. Um, just want to say happy fall semester. Um, it's really great to hear about um, the campus climate um, from the stakeholders. I definitely know that feeling. I, too, am over at SF State, and it's a good feeling to be 
um, in person. So it was really nice to hear those reports. Um, I'm really grateful to join the budget committee, uh, budget and audit committee, um, and just really working with uh, Trustee Rizzo and Chair Wong on that committee. And I definitely agree that a study session would be great. I think that was our usual practice um, in years prior to have those multiple meetings before the final vote. So glad to hear that. Um, yeah, I remember from the retreat, we said we're gonna look at the board goals, uh, President Davila, and there's like a committee, I believe myself and Trustee Selby signed up for for the DEI um, board goals. So just wanted to flag that and uh, a couple other things. I'm just really excited that we were able to get the debt, um, the student debt issue in, that's huge. I know we've been talking about that for years. So I just wanna thank you all colleagues and thank you to our student leaders. Thank you, student trustee Bill uh, Lobos and Chancellor Martin and your administration for that, because it's gonna make a huge difference. And um, yeah, also concerned about the state engagement as well as how are we continuing our, our financial support for students. Um, yeah, the HERF drop, I think it does have an impact and we should, I think in the student success and policy committee, if we could have a, an item on that, I would love to join. So that's all. Okay, thank you very much. And um, Trustee Wong. Thank you. As chair of the budget and audit committee, just wanted to say I welcome the study session that we were asking for. I think that it's necessary and it's important for us to have that deeper look into the, the budget. I, I do think that it will benefit us as the board and, and the public. I, in addition, I share uh, Trustee Selby's uh, points about getting our budget earlier. I, I do think that when our agenda is posted 72 hours in advance, that should be the exact same time that we get all of our materials so that both the trustees and the public can, can see it and review it. With that said, I'm looking forward to moving forward with this process and getting the budget through. Thank you. Okay. So um, is there a motion? To, oh, wait, we have an adjourning in memory of Mary Lamattery. Uh, Mary Lamattery died on March 15th. She was a longtime CCSF English and Women's Studies instructor and former chair of the Women's Studies Department. She retired in 2015 after teaching at CCSF for almost 30 years. She taught women's literature electives amongst other classes and was a playful and passionate lover of language and a fiery advocate for justice at the college and in society at large. So we will adjourn in honor of Mary LaMattery today. Is there a um, motion to adjourn? So moved. Second. Okay. Who seconded that, uh, Alan? Uh, Trustee Wong? Yes, sure. Okay, sure, why not? Um, okay, so all in favor of adjourning? Aye. 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 Okay, very good. Bye, everyone.